What's going on, everybody? Before I dive into episode 79 of the MLS Aces podcast, I have a few um, pieces of news that I want to just drop here so you guys know before listening. Um, I will be dropping a separate USL special episode of this podcast um, to talk about FC Cincinnati as they are the new MLS franchise and kind of what they did this season what their USL playoffs are looking like and what their future plans are for Major League Soccer and expansion. So I'll be talking with someone inside the FC Cincinnati uh, sphere of things about that. So if you want to listen to that little USL special, FC Cincinnati special, make sure you take uh, take an eye out and uh, not take an eye out, make an eye out, whatever, whatever the saying is. And uh, just just look for it and listen. I'd really appreciate that if you guys are interested in USL. If you're not, then skip right over it. Um, but always download because, you know, helps me out. Uh, second, the second note that I want you guys to make before diving into this episode is that at the end of this episode, I will be running it straight into a very special interview with former U.S. men's national team player and current YouTube sensation, Jimmy Conrad. Yes, you heard that right, Jimmy Conrad. Um, if you guys don't know who he is, you really should look him up on YouTube, look him up on Twitter, because the guy is hysterical and he's doing great things for U.S. soccer. So make sure at the end I will give a little, you know, one of these cut-ins, but make sure at the end that you guys listen to that because it was a really great conversation with Jimmy and I, and I appreciate the time that he gave me. So without further ado, enjoy episode 79. Episode 79 of the MLS, MLS Aces podcast. We're almost at 80. That should be a decision day episode, episode 80, which is kind of exciting. But right now I am joined by the, the third member the newest member of the MLS Aces podcast team, that is Jason Vivang. Jason, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing okay. It's uh, like I said, we talked a little bit like a few seconds ago. Computer blue screen <laughs> last week. Shit sucks, but you know you just gotta just keep going through. Keep it. on going. Yeah, keep, keep on keep chugging. Yep. Um. So I we don't have Sam with us this week. Sam, I introduced him last week. Couldn't make yep. it this week. He's a bartender. He works late night shifts, so sleep is important. So we're giving that to him. So this is Jason in Mind's episode. Then next week, hopefully, the three of us can all come together, and it all it'll all work out nice. Um, so Jason, I've introduced you before on the podcast, but I want to give people who haven't listened to that episode a little background into you. You are a fan of the Chicago Fire. You are a yeah. very large uh, women's soccer fan. And yes. you have created the MLS Aces podcast logo, and you do incredible work there. So I just want to give you that little shout out. Go and follow him at Jason Vivang. That is J A S O N V E V A N G on Twitter. And uh, yeah, Jason, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'm excited to start. You know, this new chapter, I guess, of the show. It's going to be uh, hopefully a lot, a lot of good is going to come from this. I think. I think. A lot of good will come from this. I, I, I know. Um, yeah. So we got a lot to talk about, and we have a U.S. men's national um, team game tonight. It is Tuesday, October 16th. So let's start with last week's game. That was the 4-2 loss to Columbia. Uh, I'll, I'll run through the scoring a little bit, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. 36 minute, James Rodriguez had a sexy-ass goal against us, like a goal that the ball just bent 
like David Beckham esque, and it was <laughs> completely unsavable from Zach. It was, Stephen. it was pretty beautiful. And that was, oh, that that one, that one got me a little hot when I watched it. <laughs> um, 50th minute, a goal that got me even hotter. Kellen Acosta makes a great run, ball into the back of the net, and Kellen Acosta is a guy we've had on this podcast before. I'm a big Kellen Acosta fan, and I'll talk more about him in a second. Just absolutely unbelievable goal from him. Three minutes later, Bobby Wood, that Bobby Wood, the same guy who's been bouncing around the Bundesliga, um, scored. And I think, you know, most of the credit here has to come from the a beautiful assist from Timothy Weah. Um, then three minutes after that, Carlos Baca scores for Columbia. And that's just, this is the point where all hope was lost for the yeah. national team. Oh, hell broke loose. <laughs> 74th <laughs> minute, Radamel Falcao, um, he scored for Columbia. And then 79th minute, Miguel Borja scored for Columbia to make it 4-2. Um, what I want to start here, Jason, you want to start with the good or the, the bad? Uh, let's start with the bad, you uh, know? I like it. I, I was thinking bad first, too. Uh, gotta, gotta end on a good note <laughs> so we can go into tonight's game. Happy. Um, the first bad that I wanted to talk about, and I'm sure that you were thinking about this, and, and everyone was talking about it, is the left-back situation. Um, it was not a great game from Anthony Robinson, and we never have really had that left-back replacement after DeMarcus Beasley. And I don't know if we still if we still do yet. Everyone's craving, uh, raving about Anthony Robinson being like the next left-back, the Everton um, player on loan at Wigan. And I'm actually a big fan of the guy. I, I, I do like his the aspects of his game. I just don't know if he's there yet. Um, what, what do you think about the left-back situation? So... I mean, I, I too am a big fan of Robinson. Um, I agree. I honestly, I mean, clearly he's not there yet after playing against Brazil and Colombia. I mean, but you have to take into account, like, he's going up against, these are World Cup teams. Obviously, the U.S. not a World Cup team at the moment. Um, <laughs> but basically, like, there's going to be a lot of growing and a lot of growing pains, I think. And I think uh, a game like this is sort of humbling to us. But also, you know, it's good to see, you know, it gives us a chance to not get too excited, to keep our, ourselves in check a little bit and say, okay, we do like Anthony Robinson, but yes, he does need a lot more work than maybe a lot of us anticipated. And maybe that opens up the door for competition with, you know, other American left backs, maybe that's Ben, ben right Sweat. Uh, that's the thing right there. You said other American left backs. We don't really have any other ones. <laughs> and, you know, it's like it's like I'm, I love the idea of competition and having a guy behind Robinson kind of pushing him. But, <laughs> and I'm a New York City fan, and I don't think Ben Sweat's the answer. Like, we don't have Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a cause for concern. But exactly. I'm 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 trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to say <laughs> think about a way that you know we could pull this in our favor. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that I think you're onto something there. I like that, like you said, competition. I think if we can just bring in as many guys like around this age group to kind of just push each other, and you have a competition at left back, right back, center back everywhere all over the field i think yeah that, you know that's the that's the, what we have to do to make these guys not get complacent and not just be like oh i'm timothy way i'm gonna be the next whatever i'm gonna be winger mid wide midfielder forward for the u.s men's national team like no you have to have 
guys behind you pushing you, saying, like, you're not just getting this spot just because your last name's Weyer or just because, you know, the opportunity <laughs> came up where we missed the World Cup and you're up next type of thing. Yeah, I mean, competition is, I think, one of the most important things currently for this team, especially with how young they are, mm -hmm. and it can really only help them, I would say. I mean, I, I like that we're playing these teams that are, you know, World Cup teams that are great teams, and, you know, they're not putting out, like, a B team, I guess. You know, Hamas was out there and Quadrado. So, essentially, like, I just want to see these guys not, like you were saying, complacent. Complacency is a terrible thing, and if you think that you're going to have your position locked down at 20 years old, 21 years old, then, I mean, that that's a much bigger problem than anything we've probably had. And, I mean, that kind of transitions nicely into another position group that I think we have an issue at, and I feel like complacency might set in or could possibly set in. I think that's the group of forwards. Um, in the game against Columbia, we ran out that beautiful 4-5-1 that we all love as U.S. fans. <laughs> and Bobby Wood, good old Bobby Wood, was that guy right up top. And, you know... It, I'm gonna, I'll give it to Bobby Wood. He's he's still relatively young. He's in his prime. He's starting in the Bundesliga. So you have to give him that. But on the other side of things, you have to look at the forwards or potential forwards on this roster that maybe deserve more of a shot. You have Timothy Weah, who for PSG, he's a forward, but for the U.S. men's national team, he's a midfielder for some reason. Uh, you have Josh Sargent, who is about to break out with the Werder Bremen first team. And you have Andrija, 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 I can't say it, <laughs> who's banging home goals in the Eredivisie. You have those three guys who are all performing at a club level. And then you go to Bobby Wood, who has two goals in, and two assists in six total games. So that includes Bundesliga and the German Cup where Sargent has six goals and two assists in ten games. That's, I mean, that's for Bremen, too, but, I mean, the Regardless German, the German youth system yeah. isn't like it's like a, it isn't like a walkthrough system, you know, and Novakovic has four goals in eight games in the Eredivisie. Um, Timothy Weah is getting minutes at PSG, even though it looks like he's going to go out on loan in January. Like, these guys are performing, and Bobby Wood may be performing, too, but you have to look at these guys who I think will get a start tonight against Peru. I think, um, yeah, I definitely think that if Novakovic, no, Novakovic or Sargent are not playing tonight, that's like cause for revolt right. or something. <laughs> like, like that's going to be very, very frustrating. Um, I mean, we already, we've seen Bobby Wood in enough games to know, you know, this is what he's going to do for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've never seen either Sargent or Novakovic on the first team. Novakovic subbed on. You mean like starting? Starting, yeah. Uh, no, uh, I don't think either of them have started a game. Yeah, so I mean, I just want to see these guys get, you know, valuable minutes and enough time to at least show us a little bit of what they have instead of, you know, 10, 20 minutes towards the end of the game where people are getting tired. Like, that's, that's not what I want to see. I want to see these guys take possibly a full 90, I mean, even if it's not a full 90, a solid hour, yeah, you know, 60, hour. 65, 70 minutes. Yeah, yeah, like, I I don't see how we're going to get a lot out of these guys if we're only playing them 10 minutes a game at the end of the game. No, I, I completely can agree with that, and I think that, 
you know, that issue also runs into the midfield that we saw against Columbia, but I don't really want to go too much in-depth with that. Obviously, no Pulisic, no McKenney, no Adams. Um, everyone freaking out about Michael Bradley, whether he deserves <laughs> a spot, whether he doesn't deserve a spot. I really don't want to get into that. I, it, you guys can argue about that among your, amongst yourselves listening. <clears throat> Is Timothy Wea really a midfielder? Kenny Saif, you're 25, playing on a Champions League team. You should take up a little more responsibility. You know, like the, the midfield has its own issues, but three of our, you know, future starters weren't there. And that's, yeah. Just, yeah, that's just what that is. Let's look a little bit at the good. You know, there's a lot less good than there is bad from this game. But I think um, one of the good things was Timothy Weah. And though I think when he is playing as that wide midfielder or that winger, He's getting uh, he's getting very isolated from the rest of the team. He's not really connecting well with the rest of the team because no one really knows how to play around him right now, and that could be because there is a lack of McKenney and Adams in the midfield who were playing well with him um, against mm-hmm. Brazil. But when Wea does kind of when he does things when he when he uses his speed when he uses his footwork and the pass that was the assist to Bobby Wood and other passes in the game, you can tell why he is on the field. And you can tell why everyone's freaking out about Timothy Way and why he's playing at PSG because he is absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I think he was definitely a lone, one of the lone bright spots in this game. Uh, so something I want to add about Wea, he just seems almost fearless. It's He plays with a sense of, you know, confidence that I think a lot of these guys are somewhat lacking. And yeah, confidence, sometimes that fearlessness can get you in a bad position. But at this stage in their career, I, I love how he, you know, runs at players, you know, plays those balls. In. We saw a beautiful pass that he played uh, versus Columbia that led to Bobby Wood's goal. So, I mean, there's, there's just this, oh, the way he plays that one is you can tell he's, you know, a good player, but also he has the confidence and the drive to, you know, push himself to be even better. And that's, you know, going back to the competition thing, it feels like he's really, you know, gunning for that spot. Yeah, I mean, you look at PSG, he's going up against Neymar, Mbappe, Cavani every single week. Uh, that I'm sure that helps his confidence. I'm sure that helps the competition aspect of everything, you know? I mean, yeah. he, on a club level, he's getting, he, he's training with some of the best forwards in the world. And when he gets to the United States, I'm sure he's like, okay, let's like, let's go. Like, I'm just going to run at these guys. I'm going to do what Neymar does to me every single practice. I'm going to do what Mbappe does to all these guys, you know? So I, you have to think that that has some type of aspect. Um, oh, de- definitely. The other lone bright spot that I took away, if you have another bright spot, you can, you can definitely add it in. But I think Kellen Acosta. Um, that, that was, that's, that's funny. That was going to be the one that I was going to say. I mean, I, not not just because he had the goal that was a great run by him and that was a, that was a mm-hmm. great run for him to find space and put the put the shot in the back of the net but you know one of the, one of the big questions now that the old the old guard of the US men's national team is gone is who's going to replace Bradley as that deep lying midfielder um you know is it Will Trap is is Will Trap going to be the guy but then he goes up against Mexico and gets absolutely burnt on every single play and, you know, it gets made look like a fool by teenagers. And it's, it's like, is he really going to be that neck, neck, that guy? And I, I have nothing against Will Trap. I just don't think that he's at that level that we need. Um, I just really love Kalanikasta. I mean, I think he had a great game as that deep-lying midfielder for us. 
I think he could be a guy that could connect well with McKenney, with Adams, with Pulisic, and be a guy that can just sit back and let everyone else kind of push forward and do their thing, as well as come up for a free kick because we know how well Acosta can hit a free kick. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm really into Kellen Acosta, and I really think he could be that next guy. Um, and I think he had a very good game alongside Weah, and I think for a lot of guys in this game against Columbia, that's, that, it's, it's hard to say that they had a good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to say sort of something along the same lines. I thought he had a great game, but kind of like looking at Kellen Acosta as a, you know, a whole career kind of player, I, I've always been like a pretty big fan of him, and it's kind of interesting to hear that like, Hear how you know U.S. fans talk about Wea and Pulisic and uh, McKenney and Adams, and I feel like uh, Acosta should be kind of in that same category. I know he's a bit older, and maybe that's part of it, but he's a guy who can be a consistent starter on this team, you know, for the next ten-ish years at least. So I think he's not rated as highly because maybe he, you know, he was. Uh, I don't think he played last year, but he was on that team, you know, that missed the World Cup, and maybe he should have been playing, but that is, uh, you know, old news, I guess. Uh, but I just think he's a uh, he's a really good player, and one of the brighter spots on this team, this younger team, that I think, you know, will be pretty impactful moving forward. Yeah, I think he's a guy who gets overlooked, and, you know, I don't want this to be like an account across the stroke fest. But, I mean, like, you know, FC Dallas, I, I think that when he got traded away from FC Dallas, it was kind of like a, a shock to his career. Like, you know, I was the homegrown guy. I came up. Perea trusted me. I was the center defensive mid. But then you look at Victor U, uh, Uloa and Carlos Garezo pushed him out of a spot because they outplayed him. And then he goes to Colorado and he he sparks again. And he was the Kellen Acosta that we saw making plays, making passes, and even scoring some goals, which, you know, we don't really typically see of the guy. But, I mean, you know, Kellen Acosta, I think I, I agree with you. And um, I kind of want to transition and say that we are recording the day of U.S. Men's National Team Peru. Recording, what, two, an hour and a half before um, before the game starts? And yeah. if you somehow listen, if I can somehow get this out and you're listening to this before the game, then enjoy the joy us talking about Peru um, shortly. If you're listening to this just during or after the game, just laugh at how bad we're predicting shit to happen. Just, <laughs> just going to go with that. So let's talk about U.S. men's national team versus Peru um, in a short amount of time. Dave Sarikin said that there's going to be a lot of changes to this lineup from the first game. And we already know one of them is going to be Brad Guzan in net because Zach Steffen has left with an injury, which even if Stefan was there, I could have seen Gazan um, getting a start in net because, honestly, he's one of those guys from the old team that is still playing well. And, you know, goalkeeper position, we, we do have a lot of talent at it. We have Alex Bono. We have um, Stefan. We have Bill Hamid. We have we have guys like that who are still playing at a, at a very good level. So if you had to think of a starting 11 we're going to see or a starting 11 you, you just want to see in general, what, what do you think? So, um, I've obviously Guzan. Um, I could see the same center back pairing, or I could see CCV kind of slotting in there for one of either Miazga or Brooks. Um, who it is is, I mean, center back. I think like Miazga and Brooks are forming a pretty good partnership, and the more they're, they're time the they guys. get together, 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and the more time they get together, obviously, you know, the better that's going to be for them. But I wouldn't really be opposed to seeing, you know, I wouldn't be mad if Cameron Carter-Vickers was there. And I would just say, you know, it'll be a good experience. So it's not like a huge deal to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then um, left back, uh, maybe they give Anthony Robinson another chance. But based on Sarakin saying there's going to be a lot of changes, I would probably think that Sweat's going to be out there. I don't get that. I, don't. <laughs> I still don't get why Ben Sweat's on this roster, but no, I, I can understand that. I mean, I don't know. What What do you think I left back? you think someone else, or you think Robinson, or you think Sweat? So I'll break down my defense, too. Um, like, I agree with you, Guzan and Nett. I think that we're going to see a completely different center back pairing. I think it's going to be Cameron Carter-Vickers, and I think it's going to be Aaron Long next to him. Um for some reason, you know, not for some reason, New York Red Bull system of developing players just works out, and these guys go to Europe, and I think Aaron Long's going to be the next Matt Niazza mm-hmm. and go to Europe somewhere. Um, so I think it's going to be a long Cameron Carter-Vickers center back pairing. Um, left back, I, I do have to agree with you. I think, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I think it's going to be Anthony <laughs> Robinson. Um, I kind of just think we're going to keep running them until we can, you know, find someone else. I think the next set of U.S. men's national team games is going to be Robinson and maybe like Danny Acosta or, or someone like that. Another left back to kind of see like, okay, can we push them? And then Robinson and Brandon Vincent and then Robinson. Like we're going to keep running through like a second left back until we can yeah. really have a guy. We're going to pull up. Like, we're going to pull up George Bello a bit early. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take him. You know, look, Bello's looking good. I'll take George Bello. Yeah, and Robinson I, I right agree. Um, he is looking great, but yeah. I mean, he's getting if he's if he's getting 16 first minutes. Yeah, I think he's 16. Yeah. He's, uh, I think he just put home a goal for the U-17, so why not? Uh, and then who do you think at right back? you think it's going to be Yedlin? Um, honestly, I don't think so, actually. I think possibly Reggie Cannon. Oh, I like it. That I, I think, you know, we're seeing uh, Yedlin. He's like kind of like a Bobby Wood guy. You know, we know what we're getting from him. I do like Yedlin a lot. And I do think he is, you know, that guy at right back. But I, I think in this game, Reggie Cannon would be a good, would be kind of who I want to see in this game. No, I completely agree. I love DeAndre Edlin. Um, I think that when you look at, you know, some of the people who have to step up and be leaders, John Anthony Brooks has to be a leader. I think DeAndre Edlin has to be a leader. Both these guys are playing at high starting capable levels in major leagues in this world. Uh, and, you know, DeAndre Yedlin's, even though Newcastle kind of sucks, DeAndre Yedlin's still playing a very good right wing back for Newcastle, and he has to play a similar uh, a role for the U.S. men's national team. And I think he's a, he's extremely much a leader on this team, and I think by the time 2022 comes around, he's going to be maybe potentially wearing the armband for this team because, you know what, he's going to be there the longest with Brooks, and Bobby Wood probably, and and that's who we're gonna have to look on to be to be captains and be leaders. I I do want it to be Reggie Cannon though. I kind of just want to see a completely different starting eleven. I kind of want to see who else we have just in case Yedlin goes down. We yeah know, yeah we lost Brooks for for World Cup qualifying, which I think was a big blow because Brooks is our best defender. So yeah. we have to rely on, you know, Omar Gonzalez. And, you know, I like Omar, but look what look what happened, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, so we, we need to see who else we have at, at positions. And I think Reggie Cannon might be that next guy because Shaq Moore really failed to impress um, against Brazil. So maybe Reggie Cannon's that number two right back. I don't know. 
I mean, I, regardless, he deserves, you know, at least a spot yeah. for us to see him. So exactly. that's he, he should be in the starting 11, and I hope to see him in the starting 11, and we'll see what happens in an hour, 30 minutes or so. <laughs> All right. What kind of midfield do you think they're going to run out, or that you would like to see get run out? Um, okay, so let's see. Who would I have as my first choice? I mean, I think um, Jonathan Amon. Okay. Yes. I'd like to see him out there. Um, He's playing extremely well over in the Eredivisie. I want to say. I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's playing really well, and he didn't start last game, so I think this is a game where he can get some solid minutes, and we can kind of see, you know, what does he have to give us at the international level. And he's still so young that, like, again, we talked about it before with competition. He could push Pulisic. He could push Wea. He can push. You know, mm-hmm. these other winger type, like, you know, players and, and be even better. And then uh, I want to see Tim Way again. Of course. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that is sort of like kind of obvious almost. Like, I, I'm really hoping that he's out there and I think he should be out there. And I don't really see a reason why he wouldn't be out there. So those, I guess, would be the outside mids. <clears throat> um. I wouldn't mind seeing Kellen Acosta again. I would honestly be completely fine with that. And I don't know if he will be out there. Do you know, I think uh, Sirkin said a lot of changes. I don't know if he specified a number, but I kind of took that as like <laughs> I, eight or nine or something. He did so. specify a number. The only one that's confirmed is Guzan and Net. But he did say that, you know, we're going to yeah. see a lot of different players. But it also comes down to the center midfield depth with this team right now. There's not, you know, that many guys that can really that can really get the run out. You know, you, I think so. Basically, you know, that center mid area, I think we're either going to see Acosta, Trap, or Bradley. And I know a lot of people are against Bradley, but... Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there tonight. Well, right now with this roster, who else are you going to put out there? Um, I... I... I would I agree that I want to see Jonathan Amon and Timothy Weah as like those outside guys, those wingers, those, those pushing up from the outside. Um, I would like to see Kellen Acosta be one of the center, um, you know, the center mid guys, but I think it's probably going to be Will Trap. And then next mm-hmm. to him, I honestly want to see Marky Delgado. I like Marky Delgado. It's a it's a random pick. I don't know really why, but. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a Kellen Acosta, Marky Delgado guy just because I think he could potentially be a borderline 2022 roster player. Um, okay, yeah. But That's interesting. I, I could see, like, Trap Bradley or Acosta Trap or, or even whatever. I could see Acosta not even being in the lineup, which it is what it is. I'd like to see him, but, you know, it is what it is. And I think for some reason we're going to have the same forward combination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have Novakovic and Sargent, so... I want to see Sargent. I just want to see him score. I want to see him just, like... I I need him to be in this lineup. I just... I don't understand why he wouldn't be. So let's say they release the lineup and it's Bobby Wood again. I would be like, what What are you guys doing? I'm not watching. Like, there, there would be... Watch, but... <laughs> <laughs> There'd be actually no reason, though, to not put Sargent in this game. And I would honestly be very, very surprised if he's not in the game. Novakovic, and yes, I agree with Sargent, but Novakovic has the most goals out currently playing in a season right now on this roster. 
why did why is he not starting? And if he doesn't start, then I'm going to be asking that question next time we record. That why the hell didn't he not start? <laughs> on our on our recap, we're going to be going in. Yeah, I'm <laughs> on like, this I'll start screaming if Sarah can, you know, whatever. And I'm not even going to get into the whole why don't we have a head coach thing because it's look that's been beaten to death. A little everyone's bit. talking about it. Everyone's tweeting about it. Like you said, it's been beaten to death. Like it, it sucks. I want a head coach, and apparently we're going to have one in January, just in time, you know, for the Gold Cup and just in time to change everything, right? So yeah, it, it it doesn't make sense to me the way the U.S. men's national team is running. I'm hoping for. You know, I'm hoping for a win tonight. I don't think it's going to be likely. It's probably going to be like a draw or a one goal loss or something like that because Peru is a step down from Colombia, but Peru's still mm-hmm. World Cup, Solid cali- team. World Cup yeah. caliber team. And, and they were they were not they didn't look terrible at uh, the World Cup either. I know they didn't have you know a great World Cup, but they looked pretty decent in their games. So I would expect like a, a pretty good competitive game. I do hope that you know the U.S. wins, obviously, and I think that. They should be a lot more competitive in this game than you know against Brazil or against uh, Colombia. So it should be a you know a closer game, and I would be surprised if we didn't get any goals. Or I I think that we at least could get a draw out of this game at the at the very least, and I do think we could get the win. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the performance on the field matters more than the end result, pretty much. If we can, if we lose 5-2 to two and Josh Sargent has two goals, I'm going to be like, okay, the defense has some trouble, but Josh Sargent's banging home goals, so I'm happy, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's definitely the performance that matters more, but Peru also has some MLS guys that I'll throw out there. Um, New York City center back Alexander Kynes, um, midfielder for the Timbers, Andy Polo, Midfielder for Orlando City, Yoshi Yotun. Midfielder forward, I guess, for the Whitecaps, Jordi Reina. And striker for the Sounders, Raul Rudiez. Uh, so if you are an MLS fan and you want to see some MLS guys, there are some people on Peru that will probably be starting because Rudiez is a starter, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Yotun's a starter. And, uh, you know, and so on there. You know, it's it it gets it gets difficult doing these things, and these things <laughs> I'm talking about is is an ad read, and that is for SeatGeek, and this is the first time Jason you're gonna be involved in an ad read, so just okay, just, just play along and fake it. And, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone's everyone's listening to me saying that too, so don't worry. Um, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal to a U.S. men's national team game, or buying a gift for a loved one. SeatGeek helps you find the best deals at the best prices, and these things are fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like going out, watching the U.S. men's national team, watching your team in the MLS Cup playoffs, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a greater value. And SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of Major League Soccer, so please... Check out SeatGeek for all your MLS ticketing needs, for all your U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team ticketing needs, because SeatGeek will get you a good deal going to these games. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is ridiculously easy to use, and I am going to be using the SeatGeek app once New York City is officially announced as being a home uh, a home game for the playoffs, and I can go to Yankee Stadium, I can go watch New York City live, and probably lose to D.C. United. And, you know, that's just, that's just what's going to happen. 
But um, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you money by searching multiple ticket sites and gives you the best and most amazing deals. It, um, it gives you the most bang for your buck because SeatGeek grades every ticket based on values to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed like Bobby Wood going to be in this lineup somehow. So make SeatGeek your go-to <laughs> app and finding the best deals on every type of tickets um, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, guys, the last part of this, you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code ACES today. That's promo code ACES, A-C-E-S, and get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Thank you very much, SeatGeek, because your money is nice. You have a very good product that I use and I like having money off my tickets because I can go and buy a beer with it. Wow. <laughs> a lot of talking. A lot of talking. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, SeatGeek, seriously, I love them. I, uh, I joke around, but I do love them because I've gone to plenty of New York City games, plenty of New York Red Bull games with using that promo code, and I may be, you know, maybe using a few different accounts to get that $20 off, but they're still getting their money, so it is what it is. Um... <laughs> Are you ready to move on to some MLS action? Because it is an international break, but there was some MLS action because that's typical MLS thinking. Yep, let's do it. Ah, so I'm going to have you talk about the first game a little bit because I've been talking a lot. LAFC 4, Houston Dynamo 2. All right. So takeaways from this game, I would say, are Carlos Vela played a pretty great game. Um, I mean, just scored. <laughs> scored two goals, one from a penalty in the 44th minute, and uh, one that was sort of a chip in the 78th that was, you know, pretty nice. If you haven't seen it, I recommend to go watch it. Um, Diamande got a goal in the 53rd minute, and then Walker Zimmerman in the 58th for LAFC. <clears throat> Walker Zimmerman from a corner. And then... Mario Manotas in the 33rd and Andrew Wenger in the 80th. So those were the goals. Um, I thought overall it was a pretty uh, entertaining game. Uh, LAFC, clearly, you know, the better team. But Houston did score first, so, you know, that put a little bit of pressure on them, and they responded in a way that you would sort of expect. Um, I thought, you know, they played pretty well overall. Uh, one thing I wanted to think about is Walker Zimmerman, uh, formerly FC Dallas Academy, I'm pretty sure. Um, I wanted to, you know, pick your brain and see, you know, why do you think he's not getting a lot of talk in the U.S. team? Considering he is a U.S. player, he's a very good player, and he's been a pretty solid uh, defender in the MLS for a while. Plus, you know, he seems to be a great, great uh, set piece uh, person. You know, he's he's big. And he gets a lot of those goals on set pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's definitely an interesting point and, and a point that I, I like talking about because if people can remember back in January camp, Walker Zimmerman was called in to January camp. Didn't play because of an injury. And I st- stupidly ranted on this podcast that, you know, why didn't Zimmerman play, blah, blah, blah. And I found out like an hour later he was injured and that's why I didn't play. But, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Walker Zimmerman. I just think his injury probably came at the worst possible time for him. Came at a time where Brooks was still out, where Miazga was still with Vitesse and, you know, up in the air type of thing, 
where Aaron Long really didn't make um, make a name for himself at that point, where Cameron Carter-Vickers really didn't make a name for himself at that point. So we were kind of scrap-piecing together a center-back combination. And then by the time he, um, Zimmerman got healthy, all these guys were healthy or all these guys were playing great soccer, and he just got pushed down that list. I think he's definitely, you know, has to be in consideration, you know, after probably these four guys, maybe five guys, if you want to consider like Tim Parker in there and, and, and stuff like that. But Zimmerman's a great player. I just think he's kind of his timing with him playing kind of just came at a really shitty moment. Yeah, I mean, I just want to add that was his fourth goal in four games. So, I mean, his form is pretty high right now. I mean, offensively, he's, he's a beast on, on corners. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of him, and I think, you know, he should at least be in the conversation moving forward. It's something to think about, I guess, as, you know, we watch MLS, you know, LAFC's making the playoffs. They're already in. So yeah. and, and when you I'm, watch that game, maybe maybe keep an eye on him and see how he does. I'm 100% for it. I think that Zimmerman could be that arguably fourth guy with Aaron Long. Maybe he could be even better than Cameron Carter-Vickers right now. You know, I think he's you have to keep him in the conversation there, and, and that's definitely true. But um, going back to this game, I did just want to throw in two things. One thing about LAFC, the defense with Walker Zimmerman did worry me a little bit because, you know, the playoffs are coming up. LAFC is definitely a playoff team. Houston has nothing to play for at this point, and you go and allow two goals to a lineup that has no Albert Elise and no Ramel Cuyoto. You know, Minotas is having a fantastic season. He has 16 goals on the season, and, you know, you have to give him all that credit winning a U.S. Open Cup. He he had a great U.S. Open Cup, and he's had a great run of form recently. But as a playoff team, you can't be allowing two goals at home to a non-playoff team, especially a team that struggled all season long. Yeah, definitely. I would uh, agree with that. I mean, defense being an issue, but... I don't know. I think I think they can uh, make some waves in the playoffs. I do think they aren't going to be, you know, an easy team that to just roll over. Mm-hmm. But um I yeah, they do have some kind of big issues. I mean, it is their first season, so No, 100%. And they I mean, losing getting their feet under them. Not, not a really great loss mid-season either. But uh oh. yes. Yeah. No, I was just agreeing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but LAFC, they win, they get three points, they move up to second place in the Western Conference, and I mean, like you said, for a first-year first, first team, you, what else can you ask for type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to a game that probably people at this point in the season are probably like, who really gives a shit? But <laughs> this game had a lot of fireworks, and I loved watching it. Colorado Rapids 2, Minnesota United 0. Um, you know, this one had some really big moments. There was a Colorado corner kick sequence that probably lasted about 15 to 20 long seconds where the Rapids had four legitimate clear shots at net. Um, yeah, I rem- okay, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about that as well because that was insane and <clears throat> La- probably, stood you on know. His head. 100%. Like, Lamson, he got his hand to two of those shots and then other Minnesota defenders got in the way of the other two. It was, yeah. it was like, you know that uh, that country banjo song? It's like, that one. Yeah, like, I feel yeah, like yeah. if you played that in the background of that <laughs> video, it perfectly fits that, like, just how does anyone not put that away? Like you. I mean, I think I think if you, if you get that same sequence, you know, 
nine times out of ten, you're getting a goal. At least on any one of those shots, any one of those could have gone in. 100%. It was just like a combination of Lampson and those, you know, the defenders. And just somehow it just worked out to where that didn't go in. And I watched that so many times just being like, what is going on? And how did they not score? I watched it so many times just because I wanted to see, like, Okay, how did he save the first one? And then I'm so focused on, like, how did he save the first one? I missed the next one. And I'm like, okay, I need to rewatch this. Like, it was an absolutely crazy moment. It's on MLSsoccer.com. So if you want to go see what we're talking about and you haven't, go pull that up because it's it's hysterical. It's totally, like, just shitty MLS team against shitty MLS team and, like, just throw it out there. Um, then shortly after halftime in this game, Darwin Quintero had a goal called back due to VAR, calling him off sides. Then... A few minutes after that, Yannick Boldy for the Colorado Rapids got on the other side of a Marlon Harrison cross. He got right in front of Michael Boxall, flicked it to the near post, one nothing Rapids. Then another uh, another VAR call to call Minnesota uh, Minnesota goal offside and completely just you can tell just pissing players off that you had two um, two offside goals called back and it, it was just it was a rough game for Minnesota especially. At, at home. Um, then Nikki Jackson would score a late goal for the Colorado Rapids in stoppage time to make it 2 nothing to completely just seal the game for them. Uh, Colorado started celebrating near the sideline, and it erupted a fight between Tommy Smith, the Colorado um, Rapids center back, Minnesota's Harrison Heath, who wasn't on the field, he was on the sideline, still in his jacket, just completely fighting guys, and Minnesota's goalkeeper coach. So, it, it caused an ejection for Smith. It caused an ejection for Heath and the Minnesota goalkeeper coach. And it it was it was just like, what what are you guys fighting for? There's no you're both done. You're both gonna just be at the bottom of the Western Conference. There's there's no point of this. If it was pro- it was like 95th minute also. Yeah, it, was it, it was really such a waste of everyone's time like if we had pro rel in this country like i get it again that's something that's the pro rel people fight for is that there's something to, like say there's something to play for at the end of the season but we don't this is what it is you're, you're done like why why are we fist fighting on the side of a soccer field mm-hmm. yeah it was a kind of a blemish on an otherwise pretty decent game considering the teams yeah, so i mean look the colorado rapids have had a better second half of their season than the first half i mean it's still not great (laughs) but i mean it's still been they've been a little bit more fun to watch as of late compared to uh early season and a team that kind of did the opposite of that is orlando city and that's the next game is the new england revolution two orlando city zero uh did you have anything you really want to talk about in this game um not a whole lot i thought you know just kind of sad to me to see orlando city do so poorly I just feel like their fans deserve, you know, so much more. <laughs> Every no, I, time I watch their so games, weird. I'm just like, oh my gosh, come on. It's, it's but, I don't get it because with Christ and then the move to uh, to their new head coach, the Irish guy, I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, he was Louisville's coach, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I know his whole history. I just can't tell you. James O'Connor, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's definitely who he is. It's just like Orlando City keeps Orlando City. Like you, you throw out weird ass lineups. You throw out a lineup that's just not intimidating offensively in any single way, and they just they just suck. Like it's like you have so much talent on one roster, and you can't. It just it uh, seems like nothing ever goes right for them, and also they never really you know 
make an impact. It's just a week in and week week out. It's just the same kind of thing. It's just nothing new, no, and it's really exactly. frustrating. Yeah, I'm not even an Orlando City fan, and I'm just like just pissed off at the. Court. Neither am I. I mean, I'm a Chicago Fire fan, so you know, I have my own frustrations. But <laughs> but Orlando, man, I, I don't know. It's kind of a pain to watch them just be bad. No, a hundred percent. It like I mean, I, I have players there, so. <laughs> um, I'll give the Revolution some credit here. They completely crashed at the end of the season to completely knock themselves out of any playoff, you know, contention or anything like that. But they had a good game. Christian Pania, one of the lone bright spots on the season, had a goal and an assist in this one. Diego Fagundes popped up his inconsistent head once again and scored a goal. Um, you know, so Revs, I think they're on the up and up with Brad Friedel as head coach. Uh, so next season, I would honestly, I, I would worry about them a little bit more, but I don't know. Still a borderline Eastern Conference playoff team for me, but good, good game, I guess. Um, and then the last game of the weekend, the most important game of the weekend, I would say DC United won FC Dallas, nothing. Um, this win for DC United put them above the playoff line, which they have not been all season long, which is an absolute crazy thought to think about, that they haven't been above that, that, that sixth spot once. It's it's pretty amazing, especially since they were, I think they were at last for, for the, the first, like, 15 <laughs> weeks. Yeah. And we're in, what, like, week 33, I think. Yes. So... It's kind of an impre- it's just amazing. Like what their turnaround has been fun to watch and I mean Wayne Rooney came back or came on and maybe that had a, a big help, but I mean, it's my, been my votes for Wayne Rooney coach of the year. Coach of the year. Because I, I like that. I like that. He had to have done something. Like he had to have said something in the locker room or be coaching something on like on the practice field that you know everyone else is doing well and obviously he's playing well which is drawing attention off of other players but like Wayne Rooney mm-hmm. coach of the year that's my pick um for this game this game was 0-0 up until the 86th minute until it was a free kick put in by Wayne Rooney into the box bodies are flailing Russell Canoose gets on the edge of, end of one scores his first ever MLS goal um he said it was in memorial for Paul Ariola who missed the game because I think his father passed away. So, um, you know, that, that's sad for Paul, and, and we give our condolences to Paul. But, you know, great step-up moment for Russell Canoose. Um, the back line has been incredible in this late run for D.C. United. Brilliant, Burnbaum, and Joseph Mora have been consistently excellent for, for week after week, and, you know, D.C. United, they're here. They have the advantage over Montreal now. I don't know if they're going to make it past the sixth spot just due to points, but if everything holds up as it is, then New York, Sa- New York City faces D.C., and we're eliminated. 100% New York City eliminated. <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm happy, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just really impressive what they've done 100%. coming from last to, you know, now they're in a playoff spot. They have, like you said, the advantage I honestly hope to see him there. Sorry to any uh, Montreal fans. <laughs> but, you know, right now it's just they, they're playing great and they're playing like a team that deserves to be in the uh, in the playoffs. No, and it, they're, they're definitely more of they're more of a fun team to watch than, than Montreal. And that's nothing against Montreal, like you said, not against their fans or anything. But 
Montreal, when I watch them, I want to see Ignacio Piatti go out and do his thing. When DC is on the field, I want to see Wayne Rooney do his thing. I want to see Ariola do his thing. I want to de- see Luciano Acosta do his thing. You know, like it, it's definitely... Yamil Assad also had exactly. a, a lot of great, you know, skillful plays in that game. Exactly. You can name way more guys that will bring way more energy more than an, a Montreal Impact player. And that's, again, Impact have had a great season and the fact that they've stayed into playoff contention this long. And they're, they're not eliminated yet, so I'm not going to, you know say that they're done but it's yeah. just for the way with dc united's playing you, it doesn't look like dc will slow, slow down anytime soon um so unless you have anything else to say about dc or dallas because we didn't even really touch on dallas losing one nothing but uh if you, if you have anything else you want to say uh go ahead and then we'll move on to some big news from around the league um no i think i'm i'm good i mean besides you know dallas losing that game it's not a, a huge you know I mean, I wouldn't say it's the end of the world for them. Obviously, they're in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I still look to see them do pretty well in the playoffs. And I think they're either – I think they're second right now or they're, below uh, they're third, Kansas. Right? LAFC, All right. LAFC bumped up the second with their win. All right. Well, either way, I think, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. This isn't like a terrible result. I mean, it's a bad result, but it's not, you know, the end of the world. So – yeah, it just comes down to seeding right now, and with decision yeah. day coming up, seeding in the West, and you know, I think the East is a little more uh, laid out, but I think the West is definitely up for grabs with one through six. I um, mean, I think I think that game was more important for DC than yeah, it was for Dallas. So. More important for DC than Dallas. Hundred percent, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. Um, so let's kick it around Major League Soccer. We got some news around the league. Um, the last piece of upsetting and sad news that I will say on this podcast is here. Um, Seattle Sounders co-owner Paul Allen has passed away at the age of 65 after his battle with cancer. Um, he was an integral part of the development of the Portland Trailblazers, Seattle Seahawks, and of course the Seattle Sounders since they came into the league in 2009. Um, you know, it's awful news. Cancer just sucks. You know, everyone's affected yeah. by it. And, you know, we, we give our best wishes to Paul. Condolences to his family. 100%. And, you know, to the Seattle Sounders family and, and, and all of that. So I'm going to quickly and awkwardly move into something else because I don't know how to transition out of that. Um, <laughs> New England Revolutions. Um, news came out that they finally broke down, um, broke ground on a training facility located in Foxborough. This is going to be a 30,000-foot complex that, um, you know, it kind of just, again, continues their perspective into being, like, a real soccer team in Major League Soccer. They've been overlooked and ignored um, in the in the New England and Foxborough area because Bob Kraft doesn't really give a shit about the Revs. Um, <laughs> but with Brad Friedel in there with some more significant signings like a Christian Pena, um, you know, with this training facility, they actually look like a soccer team, and you know, I think I, I think this is a big step for them. It is. So I'm I'm happy for them, happy for their fans. Yeah. So I do feel you know, that if you're a Revolution fan, like I give you credit because you guys have been so overlooked, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest that like. No, of course. Like you guys, like I'll, I'll be. I'll tell you if I'm being mean. Like I'm not. Like the <laughs> Revolution fans, like you guys, I give you a lot of credit that you stuck with this team and this ownership and, and everything around it, you know. But I guess hang on to Brad Friedel and you'll go for a ride now. Um, Major League Soccer has announced that the 2019 MLS Super Drafts will be held in Chicago on January 11th. Um, that is when FC Cincinnati will be on the clock and making their first pick um, 
for their MLS roster. And, uh, you know, the, the, the combine's going to be held down in Florida. Again, the Super Draft up in Chicago a few days later. Um, I'm, I haven't really heard a lot of buzz around any major guys coming out of college this year, which you don't really, you're not going to hear about unless you really follow the college game. I, I mean, it's just, just information out there for you guys to know. Um, next, and I think maybe uh, a storyline that was bigger than DC United beating FC Dallas <laughs> and this is hashtag save the crew to potentially hashtag save saved the crew. Um, apparently, Cleveland Browns owner Jimmy Haslam has is leading a group of potential buyers that want to buy the Columbus crew and will keep the team in Columbus. Um, the good news here is that the crew might actually be saved, but the bad news is that it's another NFL owner buying an MLS club, and we all know how much we love NFL owners running Major League Soccer teams. Uh, you know, there are and we all know how well that Browns team is. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just run like the Browns, right? Yeah, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, uh, forwards. Um, look, I mean, there are examples out there of NFL owners running a good Major League Soccer team. You look at Atlanta United, you know. Um, but then there are definite examples of <clears throat> New England Revolution. Where um, we just came from. <laughs> NFL owners not giving a shit about a Major League Soccer team and just seeing it as money coming in. Um, you know, so I hope that Jimmy Haslam does have the best intentions for the crew um, coming in because this fan base is one of the originals in the league and, and they deserve an owner that, that supports the team and supports the, the fans. Yeah, I just want to add, like, the one thing that is sort of a, a thought for optimism here is he bought it, you know, he bought them to keep them there. Or he, you know, it's I guess it's, is it it's for rumored. sure? It's, yeah, rumored. So, I mean... That rumor, like if he if he really did that, you know, that's right there is showing that he cares enough at least, or he's seen that the city cares enough and the Save the Crew movement like has made an impact. Where I think it just has a good sign for you know maybe he'll he'll treat the team a little bit better than you know New, New England. So <laughs> <laughs> and we can all hope, right? Um, the short list has come out for MLS awards and they came out today. And uh, we're just gonna run through some. I'm gonna run through the awards and some notable names, and you tell me who you, who you who you'd pick for each award. That's not right. The yeah. London Donovan MVP notables: you have Miguel Al- Miguel Almiron, Diego Chara, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Joseph Martinez, Wayne Rooney, Carlos Vela, Bradley Wright Phillips. All right, <laughs> I think this is probably the most difficult one. Um, there's arguments to be made for Joseph uh, Martinez, of course because of his goals, you know, clearly he's made a huge impact. Um, honestly, who I would choose, I, I might have to go with Martinez just because, you know, he broke, he, he shattered that record. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been broken for how many weeks, you know, three, four weeks now. So it's just like amazing what he's done. And, but I do think that guys like uh, Zlatan, have of a case he he's been great um carlos vela i i have thought his play this year has been great um and then wayne rooney i i do think wayne rooney should be at least in the conversation Mm -hmm. i think without wayne rooney this dc team is not in the playoffs and I, i can say that with a a fairly decent amount of confidence and so i think wayne rooney just for that factor alone 
has been insanely valuable for DC, meaning, you know, he, he definitely has a really good case at most valuable player. And if he was here earlier, I think he would he would get it for sure. I think what you said is important. If this player was not on that team, would this team be in the playoffs? I think if Carlos Vela was not on LAFC, they'd still be a playoff team. BWP, um, same argument. I think that even Joseph Martinez, if he wasn't on yeah, Atlanta, I think United, so too. Atlanta United, still a playoff team. That's why I think you have to look at Miguel Almiron. I think if Almiron is not on this team for the entire season, I don't know if Atlanta United is a playoff team. And I know that kind of sounds crazy saying that, but he is well, that good. Regardless, even if, if they're a playoff team, they're not where they are right now. Not they're at not at that paint to- points total. They're not nearly close to that. So and Martinez isn't scoring 30-whatever goals. Yeah, and I think you could say you can make the same case for Zlatan. I don't think that LA Galaxy team is a uh, is a potential playoff, playoff team. <laughs> um, he may not; they may not make the playoffs. But and I think the same thing with Diego Chara. He's definitely overlooked. That when he is out of that Timbers lineup, they do not look like the Timbers team that is sitting fourth in the West right now. I, I'm pretty sure. You know, he, he's a defensive midfielder, so he's not going to have the stats, and he's never going to win the award. But I think that's just a guy. You know, you want to. I have to give the credit to. Um, I yeah I'm I'm excited for this award and I I think it can go to any number of guys so I think it should be a fun one this year. It's gonna go to Martinez I think without a doubt everyone's just gonna see the goal numbers and it's just gonna be like oh MVP scored 35 goals whatever. Yeah. But, you know it, it, I think that there is definitely more of a conversation and a case around some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, defender of the year. Um, some notable defenders we have Matt Bezder, um, Stephen Betashore, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, Matt Hedges, Aaron Long, Michael Parker, Chad Marshall. Um, I think those are all guys that are very deserving of the award, and it's kind of hard to judge this award. But what do you think? Um. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of di- like you were saying. It's hard to judge this award. It's. I could see kind of any one of those guys getting this award. I wouldn't really be upset i guess if it goes any other way but honestly like i i don't really have a strong opinion on this award no and and that's completely fair because it's so hard to judge like you know who who had the best defensive season and i I wrote an article that i tweeted out uh, a few days ago and I gave this award to Aaron Long. Um, I looked at all the playoff teams who had the who which as team as a as a whole had the least amount of goals allowed. It came down to Atlanta, Red Bulls, and um, Seattle. So then I was like, okay, you got to look at Perez, Long, Marshall, Kim Kihi, guys like that. Then it came down to okay, who had the who played the most games? So it came down to Aaron Long and Chad Marshall. Then it was, okay, who has the most offensive, like, at, at the end of it, like, who had the best offensive season? Because, like, I'm, I looked at every single defensive statistic I could, like, breaking it down almost, and, like, offensively, Aaron Long has four goals on the season. And, you know what, like, that just put him over the edge for me. You know, they're all great defenders, and you can't really say one's that much better than the other, but it is what that is what it is. Um, the next award is the All-State Goalkeeper of the Year. Um, some notable names were Stefan Fry, Brad Guzan, Tim Melia, Luis Robles, and Zach Steffen. Um, for this award, I mean, I love Zach Steffen. And, I mean, as part of my, you know, part of my thoughts on this award are, you know, said with less of my brain and more of my heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I would love to see Stefan get it, but, I mean, 
there's a number of guys that are, you know, deserving, as there usually is. But I, I'd like to see Stefan get this award. I, I think he's been a great goalie, um, goalkeeper all year. And, you know, I think he, there's a lot that he's saved that probably, you know, he's definitely helped the team. So, I don't know. I just I, I think he, he's deserving, and I'd like to see him get it. I think he definitely adds a defensive presence, you know, obviously in net Stefan's looking like the number one keeper for the U.S. right now. But I have to give the award to Stefan Fry. Um, just he makes some stupid saves. And he, even in the beginning of the season when the Sounders weren't scoring goals and they were losing games one nothing and 2 nothing, like He, he keeps them in games that you would so think they exactly. win. You know, Stefan Fry, I think, you know, He's overlooked every single year as one of the better keepers in the league, and with every single year he produces, and he, and he just looks so good. Um, the next award is the newcomer of the year. This one may be harder than the MVP, in my opinion. You got Corey Kirk, <laughs> Borek Dochel, uh, Dachkal, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kaku, Alexander Katai, Christian Pania, Darwin Quintero, Wayne Rooney, Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela. You got so many guys that you don't realize are like, oh shit, this is their first year in the league. Like, yeah, this is a, it's pretty, it's like a ridiculous list this year. I mean, I just want to point out one thing, sort of unrelated but sort of related as well. This is the first time we got a uh, Chicago Fire guy in any of these lists, so I just had to, you know, shout out Alexander Katai. Is, is that your pick? <laughs> um, it's probably not my pick, but <laughs> he's been great for us. I, I'm very happy with that, but. uh my pick on this one, honestly, newcomer of the year. I just, oh man, if Wayne Rooney played a whole season, I would have him locked in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe uh, Vela. Yeah, See, like, I'm down between so hard. Vela, Zlatan, and Kaku. I mean, like, look, Kaku is gonna have the most assists in the league at the end of the year, and everyone just overlooks the guy. Yeah. Uh, but is that more of like Bradley Wright? Phillips is doing because he scores the goals or you know so it's like I don't know it, it's it's a really tough decision I'm just gonna I mean Zlatan yeah. Zlatan is a is a good pick as well I think Vela and Zlatan are probably the front runners I'd say I mean they've both played great all season they've both been really important pieces to their teams and this will just be and, another bragging right between one between the two LA teams you know yeah let's let's make it into a, a new competition <laughs> Um, next we have AT&T Rookie of the Year. Very tough list this year. You got Corey Bard for RSL, Brandon Bay for New England, Mark McKenzie for the Union, Chris Mueller for Orlando City. I take your pick. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't really know where you can. You can. I don't really think you can go wrong here. I think they've all played well. So yeah. If I had to put one, I would say Mark McKenzie over the rest, just because he was a starting center back on the team that made the playoffs and had a very good second half of the year. I know he's been hurt, but, I mean, it's tough to, to, to pick one of these guys. Yeah, Especially, he, uh, he might be one of the only rookies to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're on a playoff team and you're playing valuable minutes, you're obviously going to be one of the better mm-hmm. better. Uh, Shouts for this award. So here comes another fire player for comeback player of the year. You <laughs> Let's go. Georgie. No, there's two. There's two on there. Oh um, wait. I'm just going notables. I mean, there are there is a second one, but I don't, I don't know if I'd count Michael Delu. But uh, Georgie Mihalovic, um, Giassi Zardes, Ozzy Alonso. I think that they're kind of you know 
leading the pack for comeback player of the year, maybe. I think Zardes has to be the guy because he went from playing right back for the Galaxy to scoring, what, 15-plus goals for the crew. That's fair. That's fair. But, you know, Georgie is only 19, so... <laughs> he has a whole career ahead of him. Don't worry. <laughs> He'll be yeah. for a while. I mean, yeah, I do love how Zardes has, has turned his season, or basically from last year to this year, is a huge turnaround, and I do think that's very impressive. But I got to go with my guy, Georgie Mihalovic. Hey, look, I get you. Go from a torn ACL to when he actually does play, he just he he's just one of the better players on that fire team, without a doubt, and he's still... Yeah, he's been great. He's he's a teenager, and I think right there, and there's a lot to look forward to in him. 100%. He's going to be a guy that's going to be fun to watch um, for the fire and, you know, in the Eastern Conference for, for the years to come now. Uh, and the last award, you got Coach of the Year, Chris Armas, Bob Bradley, Jim Curtin, Tata Martino, and a host of others, and I think Wayne Rooney should be on this list, but who's your pick <laughs> for Coach of the Year? Um, I think that Bob Bradley is my pick, only because, you know, this is a uh, expansion team, and while we've gotten pretty used to expansion teams with Atlanta playing really well, being good off the bat, it's it's sort of relatively new. I mean, before Atlanta last year, I think there was only, was it one team that's made the playoffs in their first season? Now we've seen it in back-to-back seasons. And obviously, you know, the team that was put together was a great team. And But I just think Bob Bradley, I mean, he's he's a great coach, and he's been he's been doing it for a long time. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I think he's a good, you know, I think he's a good pick for this because that's I mean, the LAFC, they're, they they have good players, but, you know, the coach ultimately brings them together. Exactly. As This is their first season. You know, none of these guys have played on the same team together. Coach is very important, so. Exactly. I mean, I think, I have to say, I think Jim Curtin deserves a legitimate shot for the turnaround of the union, but I think if Atlanta breaks the TFC record of last year for points in a season, then it has to go to Tata. Um, you know, he's, by far, I think, just, I guess, knowledge-wise and coaching ability-wise, I think he is the best coach in the league, and I think he's had a very good year. Obviously, he has a plethora of, like, superstar talents on his roster, so that doesn't hurt at all. But, um, you know, again, some of these awards are, are questionable and are up for debate, and I'm not down to, like, debate for 15 hours about awards. But I don't think you can go wrong with any of these guys. Let's quickly finish up this episode with some USL playoff talk because this weekend does start the USL playoffs. And for those of you who don't follow USL, it follows a little bit differently than Major League Soccer. There are no buys. It's teams one through eight in each conference make it. And there are some notable games that if you are a fan of some soccer with um, some something behind it, some meaning behind it, obviously getting eliminated from the season, uh, is uh, is a meaning, and this week you have some pretty big games with one seed FC Cincinnati facing eight, eight seed in Nashville. Um, you know Cincinnati, they're going to be in the league next year, and if you want to see some guys that might make the MLS roster, I'd watch this game. Cincinnati have pretty much run through the USL this year, but um, Nashville have has have been a team that they have not been able to beat. But they have um, potential USL MVP Emmanuel Desma, um, Golden Glove winner Matt Pickens on their side, and I think that uh, FC Cincinnati will probably win, and I think they have a legitimate shot at USL Cup, which might give them a rough offseason if they make it all the way to USL Cup. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're a great team. and I mean, I'm excited for them to watch them. And obviously, like you said, there's some guys on this team that will possibly be on their team next year. Um, Fernando Adi is one of them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's a team that's worth watching and a team that, you know, they'll be fun to watch. In, in my experience with FC Cincinnati, you know, they've got great fans. They've got, you know, a good team. Should be a good game. Um, on another note, did you see the uh, stadium renderings, renderings that came out? I yeah. think it was this week. Those pictures look. If those pictures are anything accurate to what the actual stadium looks like, I'm gonna have looks, to make a trip out this Yeah. Hey, maybe we'll, maybe I'll meet you there. Let's go. Let's just meet up. Yeah, let's do it. Watch a game because I gotta. It's I it looks beautiful. That looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, the other if I that's a game in the East for the USL playoffs that I think uh, if you want to watch an entertaining game that could be one. If you want to watch an entertaining game in the Western Conference for the playoffs. Four seed Real Monarchs versus five seed Reno 1868. Real Monarchs have the better overall team. They have tons of talent, but they've been playing kind of shitty. While Reno has less talent, but they've been playing unbelievable soccer, gaining a lot of points as of late. And I think if you want to watch that, um, definitely two opposing two opposing types of teams going up against each other. And lastly, you have the Didier Drogba farewell tour. He has announced that this will be his last season as a professional soccer player at the age of 40 for Phoenix Rising FC. Um, so I think if you're a fan of Didier Drogba, you gotta you gotta push for and hope that Phoenix wins USL Cup so that he can go out on top. Yeah, that would be great. I, I mean, I love Drogba, and I know I I mean I think he's part of their front office as well. So yeah, I think he is. He's he's sticking around the sport. He's sticking <laughs> around the sport, which is nice. So. Yeah. But it'll, it'll be sad to see him, you know, hang up the boots, I guess. So. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you, if you want to watch some entertaining soccer games this weekend that aren't MLS and have some meaning behind it, USL is always the way to go. Um, obviously, Premier League and all that's back this weekend, too. So you got tons and tons of soccer this weekend to watch. To You'll fill your Saturday and Sunday. Oh, totally. <laughs> and, some, and some Monday, too. Don't worry about that. Of course, yeah. Um, Jason... You have anything else you want to go out on the show with? Um, honestly, it's been it's been a good first show. I'm looking forward to you know continuing this, and I'm excited for next week. Yeah, next week we get you here, we get Sam here, we get to talk about decision day, preview decision day, and kind of see what some seedings can happen with, and, and I'm excited to talk about it. So thank you guys for listening to episode 79. We're out. Hey guys, I know I said this in the beginning, but I just wanted to cut in one more time and just remind you that the episode is not over. Make sure that you continue listening because I sit down and have a conversation with YouTube Sensation and your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player, not named Landon Donovan. His name is Jimmy Conrad, and uh, we had a great conversation about YouTube, about his future plans in uh, coaching and in, in the technical part of soccer and in his career. So uh, make sure you guys listen because it was a good one. Ladies Enjoy. Welcome back. You may know this man as Conrad Inyo. You may know this man as Manager Inyo. You may now even know him as Technical Director Inyo. His name is Jimmy, Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. It's, I'm a huge fan. I'm glad to have you on, and I'm glad to just, you know, sit here, talk some soccer, especially with everything going on around U.S. soccer and, and going on around yourself as well. Um, so yeah. 
No, I was going to say I have you properly brainwashed, and I, I appreciate that. Um, I want to start with something that's kind of non-U.S. soccer related, and that's Newcastle. And I know, okay. you, know you're a big Newcastle fan, so I got to ask yeah, right, off the, sure. right off the beginning, what the hell's going on with Newcastle? You know, it's one of those things where when you have an owner who doesn't really care, uh, that's just going to permeate through the club, no matter what sport, um, no matter what level of this game in particular. Uh, you have somebody who made a lot of money doing something completely different, probably thought it was pretty cool to buy Newcastle and bought a club that has an extremely passionate fan base and that demands a lot. And he just wasn't up to the demands. And I just don't think he's as wealthy as he might put on. So I hope that he sells the club at some point. Uh, I hope they get in. You know, it's it's easy to say let's get some big American owners in who probably would do the same thing. We're kind of just more of like a – you know, just to add to their portfolio. That's what it feels like sometimes when the Americans jump in, mm-hmm. or even even the oil money guys. You know, but I feel like Newcastle has a special fan base, and and I'm sure every every fan base can be like, wait, wait a second, we have a special <laughs> fan base, and that's true. That's very true. But but you know, it would just be nice, I think, for the club to at least be in the conversation. That that's all I want. I've been a suffering fan. I started following the team back in the '90s. Because all, all they show back when I was a kid was Manchester United games. And I thought they were great. And I have a, I have a, a fascination and an adoration for Eric Cantona mm-hmm. uh, during that time period. I just I still marvel at the amount of confidence that one human being can have. Um, and where, where you generate that type of confidence, which is a whole different set of mental conversation we could go, different direction on that. But So I was always uh, really fascinated with him, but, but I couldn't support the Red Devils because everybody else was doing it. I just I couldn't be that guy. I had to go against the grain. Uh, and so Newcastle famously beat them 5-0 in the mid-90s, and it was great. I'm like, oh, that's my team, and it's been a steady decline since then. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It, it's it's fun to suffer a bit, but it would be nice to have a few more ups because we have a lot of downs at the moment. No, I mean, trust me, in all my favorite uh, all my favorite sports teams in every single sport, I'm, I'm, I'm a suffering fan from the New York Jets to New York City FC. It's not, nothing's good recently, but, um, you know, the, suffer, hey, st- the suffering's good, right? Hang in there. Hang in there. Maybe something will change one day. Um, so kind of building off Newcastle, you just recently dropped that Newcastle will be the team that you're managing in your FIFA 19 career mode. That is personally one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube and kind of just chill out, watch it, enjoy, and, and see see what you're doing and, and all that fun stuff. Um, you think you can win the league with the Kevin Gamero-less Newcastle? <laughs> yeah, I guess for all those people that are like, what are they, talking video games? <laughs> yeah, so... So to kind of give some context, uh, I do a lot of stuff with EA Sports around their FIFA uh, series, right? So FIFA 18, FIFA 17, and now FIFA 19, uh, when I've been involved, kind of as the Ryan Seacrest of their global tournaments. And so I just thought, all right, if I'm going to be involved and be a part of this community, I'm very active in the community. Uh, all the YouTubers and, and pros that are in the community, I have a ton of respect for and what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish with their lives. And it's really cool, you know? And, and so I'm like, well, I got to have some content on my YouTube channel that reflects me being in this community. And I thought the easiest one for me to slide into was career mode. Now, when I first got started, I was just really going to start off by playing it straight. Like, I don't really – I'm not good at the game. So we're not going to try to play this. Like, you're not going to get a tutorial from me. Like, you're not going to learn how to play the game from me. But I think you can laugh at me. And so that was really – it kind of morphed into this. And then I uh, hooked up with, with my editor, Mike Kay, who, who's, a, who's a genius at editing these things and makes them super funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a student of YouTube and, and knows kind of like what works and what doesn't. And not to say that I don't, but he's definitely a little younger. So I think it plays more into his demographic. But we have a great time plotting it now. And it just really morphed into 
now me taking on multiple personalities and, and which allows me to kind of, I don't think I'm an actor by any stretch of the imagination, but when I get, I, so there's Inyo, as you mentioned, that's the manager. That's me kind of normally. And then there's Mina, who's kind of my Diego Simeone knockoff, you know, slick back hair, all black, wearing a suit. And so that's when I get to get, I get, I wanted an outlet for me to like, just make fun of people that are killing me in the comments. And I just didn't feel right doing it as Inyo. So I'm like, all right, let's come up with Mina. And then we add the Simeone connection there. That's funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I started off as uh, my, my first career mode was at Atletico Madrid. And so really that was my, like, I wanted to be Diego Simeone. I just didn't know how to do it. So it, if you really watch from the very, very beginning, there's this real, uh, like, I don't know, evolution of, of where it started. You can see us kind of formulating idea, our ideas as we got going. But it, it's it's an incredible platform to have fun. And, and the, a lot of the FIFA gamers now, because of the ones I follow, the pros, they take it very serious. So I, I knew that I needed to create some content that was more about entertainment than it was about, you know, learning how to become a pro or, or like the hardcore, you know, I can press 75 buttons in, in 10 seconds to score a bicycle from 18 yards out. You know, that's just not me. Like, you're going to live and die with my results. So anyway, to get back to your question, uh, I love it. I, I, I go and I talk to my wife about what happened. She's like, this isn't real, you know. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. It is real to me. This, this is, is a big deal to me. It's important. You know, and I think that's a, a really funny a conversation that we have regularly. Because, I mean, I invest a lot of time into it. We talk about different plots and narratives and storylines, and it's really kind of grown out. I don't think people – maybe they do appreciate how much time we put into it, but but we put a lot of time into it, and uh, it's a blast. We, we, we enjoy making it, and really – and I think this should be kind of the crux for anybody that's trying to create anything. You really should just have maybe a focus group of maybe two to five people, let's say, and if you can make them laugh or, or if they're engaged or if they're into it and you get them to, to buy in, then everybody else will take care of itself. You know, and I think that Mike K and I really just try to focus on how do we make each other laugh. And that ultimately uh, lends itself to some funny videos. So. So, yeah, anyway, uh, with regard to your question, uh, Newcastle, my team's not very good. I don't have any players over uh, the, a rating of 78. It's going to be a bit of a struggle. I have a really small budget because, as you said, Mike Ashley, um, the owner in real life, he doesn't have much. Yeah, good guy. Definitely looking out for only himself. So uh, it's going to be a bit of a struggle for me. I'm hoping top 10, but, you know, you never know. I mean, I'm not as bad as, at the game as people think I am, but um, I'm not as good either as I might think I am. So it's uh, there's something in the middle there. But, yeah, yeah, it should be a lot of fun, and I appreciate you watching it. No, you, I mean, you're definitely not bad. That's what, that's what it comes down to is that you're definitely better than me at FIFA, so I'll give you that 110% because <laughs> I, I suck at the game. Um, so now going from like, I guess, managing in FIFA to managing in, in real life, you just were recently named a technical director and associate head coach for the San Francisco Glen soccer club. Um, That's right. obviously you're from the Bay area. You, this is definitely, uh, you know, a hometown, I guess, quote unquote hometown thing for you. It's where you're from. It's where you're, you know, you're associated with now. What is this step like for you to go from player to now, you know, content creator, and you're still doing the content creation along with like working within a lower division u.s soccer club that's a great question so I, I guess i'd start with there are a lot of pundits if you i'm like a faux pundit let's say right because i'm not on the i'm not on the big big tv channels i've just got my little lowly youtube channel and sometimes i'm on, I'm on the odd podcast from time to time but but i just got to the point where i was maybe taking shots at you know the the infrastructure in our country should be like this or you know, I'm always I was basically pointing my finger at everybody else, knowing that I could give back in a meaningful way if I just got involved. And 
I don't know. At some point, I'm like, I need to, I need to jump in. So I saw these guys, the Glens. I know one of them, Mike McNeil, who runs their youth academy, who's done an amazing job there, turning basically 10 rec teams into 75 club teams, 1,500 kids playing, uh, development academy status, like really built a nice, solid base. And they're like, hey, we need a, we need a, we need a another step for our players to aspire to. And so they started a PDL team last year. So I, I knew Mike from before. I saw him on the street when I was doing my man on the street weekly thing for being sports. And I got to interview him after a Champions League game or whatever. And, and they're like, hey, you should come to our game. We got a PDL team going. I'm like, no, that'd be great. But better yet, let me coach you next season, you know. So I kind of threw it out there as, you know, in kind of a fun way. And then we start to get in some serious conversations. And and I think they realize that I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about the sport. But there is a perception about me out there. And, and this will probably continue to evolve that perception and how I blend my content creation with with me taking on something that I take very serious. Now, I don't show off that side very often, but this means a lot to me uh, to, to be able to give back in a meaningful way, to be able to have the next generation of players stand on my shoulders and hopefully be better than I ever was or 10 times better than I ever was is is, is a big deal for me. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to be involved. I, I feel like I'm right. I'm with the right organization. I've been in the Bay Area now for a year after moving from New York City. I, I have surveyed the landscape there's there's a lot of politics involved in youth soccer it's very fragmented it's a lot of it's very fractured um even though the methodologies from u.s soccer come down they don't always necessarily get followed and, and for good reason it isn't like people are just giving the finger to that for no reason there's just a lot and there's a lot for u.s soccer to to have to oversee so it's been interesting and i think i'm going to learn a lot because uh, ramon estevez worked for some in mls and now he's the president uh, I'm going to learn a lot from him on the business side. You know, we were just talking about scouting today and how we're going to really start to use our network for for positive positive good, or let's say in the in the Bay Area, or start small and kind of build out. Um, and then Javier uh, Ayala Hill is the coach at SF State. He's the head coach. You know, I didn't want to come in and alpha male anybody. I, I wasn't going to be like I didn't want to come in and be like, hey, I know more than you do, because that's not going to get us anywhere. Like I th we've done enough of that. Where everybody's got their own vision, and no, my way's better than your way, and blah 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 blah. For me, it's more about if we're gonna really make our players better in this country, it's a with thing. We have to work together. We have to really have the player at heart, their development at heart, as opposed to winning trophies at a youth level, let's say, and and making money, right? I think because youth soccer is a billion dollar business, you know, the money really kind of wins out in a lot of decision making. And I just feel like, okay, I understand that money making money is part of it, but it's just gone so far that way that we need to bring back that equilibrium where the development of players as not only players, but as human beings, uh, it, that, that stabilizes a bit because it's just a little bit too heavy the other direction. So this is my way of jumping in and, and having to go at it and learning to see, Hey, this is the direction I want to go now. Now to add to that, and I'm a talker. I'm, I'm pretty sure you've got that figured out. Yeah, I um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a podcast. We can talk long, exactly. but I would say I would say that um, we are gonna do content creation around it. So I'm gonna document the experience mm -hmm. on my YouTube channel. Uh, I want to bring people in. I, I have, if people are familiar with any of the UK YouTubers out there, there's one in particular named Spencer Owen. Uh, he has a a YouTube team called Hashtag United, who I've played for uh, many times. And they were strictly just like a YouTube, hey, these are Spencer and a bunch of his friends playing, and I would jump in every once in a while when I was over in London playing with them. And it was a blast. And they just put all their games on YouTube on Spencer's channel, and they would interview the guys, and they made it very professional. They shot it really well. Mm -hmm. 
And I won't have the same type of budget, I think, that he had to have multiple cameras and stuff. But but the, the spirit of it is the same. And this is real. Right now, now he's taking that next step after two or three years on just being on YouTube. They're doing the non, they're like in the ninth division now and doing it straight. Like they have a proper coach and it's really cool. So that's kind of their, their evolution in that. But for me, I'm starting in that professional environment in the fourth division. Uh, so we're going to try to merge somewhat my two passions of giving back and coaching with content creation. Um, so yeah, we have some ideas to, to build around it. I think it could be really fun to not only tell my story, but to hear from some of the players who have worked to this point and, and want to take that next step to be professionals and, and all, and the other coaches that are involved and, and the Glens in general, and just telling their history and, mm-hmm. and how, what kind of impact they're trying to make both on and off the field in San Francisco. So yeah, there's a lot of great storylines. And I think, I think in some ways we could be able to tell a really intimate story about, soccer in this country and maybe even shine a light on the infrastructure and how it needs to get better i mean there's a lot there and and i two questions i have stemming from that one uh i love when on youtube you when you do your vlogs of your pickup games that you do because i think those pickup games that you do are really a kind of an important thing just to build the game and just to get people out there playing and just having a good time playing the game of soccer would you incorporate something with the with the Glens and your pickup games and kind of just doing that as a content creation thing? Uh, for sure. So to kind of like let's let's scale back the Glens for a second. And, and actually, I should probably scale back the wrong word, but our wrong phrase. I would say the Glens isn't really going to start. There's their season. The PDL season's so short. Mm-hmm. It's 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 beginning of May to mid July. So you know when I jumped on, I knew that it was going to be a commitment, but a very hyper focused commitment. Um, but now as we start to pull back the layers and I start to understand my role some more, cause there's no other technical directors in the PDL, by the way, I'm like the first, and, and I love that cause we, yeah, we're making history here and we're trying to, we're trying to, to do something that has never been done, uh, thus far. So we're still trying to craft that role a little bit, but, but it's been fun, you know, for me to kind of scratch that itch that I have on the other side. Yeah. Let's scout, let's go find some players. Let's go to try to make change lives for the better, you know? And, and as you say, pickup games, I think have that power as well. Now, I'm actually doing one uh, with AT&T ahead of Decision Day. So I'm going to Dallas, if anybody's watching or listening from Dallas. Uh, I will be there on the 20th. We're going to have a pickup game there. But the, the destination has yet to be determined So I, in time. So I, you just have to follow me on my social media channels, at Jimmy Conrad, shameless plug alert. So, and then I'll be, I'll be in New York City, so you need to come out. Um, yes. It's the 20. I think we'll do it on the 27th, a Saturday before Decision Day um, of October, and I'm going to be in Boston on the 24th as well, doing pickup games. So there's a lot of. I think now people are starting to see, as let's say, the brands and leagues and clubs, how how powerful these 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 pickup games can be. And I think for me, the most meaningful part about it is that when you go out there, nobody cares, like like where you're from. Or like what you believe in, or what your culture is, or who you voted for, or any of that crap. Like that that stuff just gets poured aside, and everybody comes out there and it's like, hey, if you have a good first touch, I want you on my team, you know, because I because I want to win these games. Because if you win, you get to stay on. So, and, and it's just a really great way to bring the community together, uh, all ages, you know, all different kind of let's say classes, um, rich, poor, uh, you know, any religious beliefs, cultural beliefs. Like it doesn't matter. Like everybody's out there, and everybody has a great time, and it's such a positive experience. That I actually think I get more out of it than, than maybe some of the participants, but but uh, it's been an incredible thing that that I I feel honored to be a part of, and in some ways I feel almost synonymous with in this country. It's 
when people say pickup games, like I had some of those UK YouTubers that I referenced before, they do pickup games on their own, and they're like, well, you know, this is Jimmy Conrad's idea. I'm like, no, man, this isn't my idea. I just, I just, uh, just trying to shine a light on, I think, a culture that that is really important. Now we say that from like a kind of a social perspective, right? Bringing people together in a positive way. Secondly, as a player, I think this is a really good opportunity for our young players or any players that come out. This is your time to try stuff without any judgment, without any pressure of coaches or parents or whatever it is. So anytime I can, especially if I can see younger players, I really encourage them to try things. You know, they can go play safe in their real games, but out here, I want them to take risks. I want them to see what that leads to because sometimes it's going to come off and then they're going to go in a real game when they're back with their real teams and be like, Hey, this try this worked for me once. I'm going to try it again. And they're going to have the confidence to do so. So uh, I try to make that a big point of emphasis as well. Uh, you know, as the pickup games as, as a teaching tool, because to talk about youth soccer in general, and as I said before, with the equilibrium being off, I used to run camps in my hometown and I'd always get, well, I had about 30 kids, 30 to 40 kids. And I'd always pepper them with questions because I was only back to do this once, you know, when I was still playing, uh, maybe a week, week, a year. So I just really, I, they were like my touch point to, to use soccer. So I just pepper them with questions. And I'm like, all right, so you guys, you guys, okay, how many, how many days a week are you guys training? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, four days a week. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, touching the ball four days a week. And then we got games on the weekend. Yeah, usually one or two games a weekend. I'm like, great. So five or six days a week, you're touching the ball. That's amazing. How much of that time do you actually get to think for yourself? and get to play without any structure, you know, or, or without a coach telling you what to do all the time. And they're like, uh, <laughs> it took, they're like, meh, they said probably 95% of the time being told what to do. And that's a, that's a big problem, dude. That is a big problem. Yeah, they, and I think we've developed their own like flair or their own. Style? They don't, they have to play in pickup games. They have to go outside and play with their friends. They have to go create ideas and solve their own problems. Because uh -huh. we know we know the game's simple, right? You have to score in one goal and not give up a goal in the other one. I mean, that's that's it. And we need to give them that opportunity. And after that had happened, and I had heard that information, I obviously took it very personally because I'm like, we got to change this. Uh, I was on a mission, and then uh, I had I retired shortly thereafter and and shifted into media and kind of had to get my second career going. But um, what I had in mind was called the Free Play Initiative. And what I was going to do is this place that I had camps, I was going to just rent the field once a week and from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Sundays, anybody that wanted to come out, they could come out and play. I would have four fields set up, 2v2 to small goals, 3v3 to small goals, 4v4 to small goals, and 5v5 to big goals. Mm -hmm. Now, why that's important to have different, like, different numbers? Because the game's different. In two versus two, you can't hide. You cannot hide. You have to play. You have to play defense. You have to play offense. There's no breaks. 3v3, you're starting to create triangles, both offensively and defensively. And you can hide a little bit. You can pick your spots, right? You can have third person running. You can you can start to add a little bit more, let's say, structure or thought behind how you're going to break down the opposing team. And 4v4 is very similar. Still the small goals. And then 5v5, you add a goalkeeper. And now you're adding a little bit more team shape and how you're going to win the ball as a group and all that stuff. And it would just be fantastic to be able to start on a 2v2 field and then kind of move yourself around with different players and try to figure out how you're going to win games in all different situations, which ultimately would make our players better and have to think through a lot of different scenarios and and how they're going to defend and how they're going to attack. And it'd just be great. And, um, 
yeah, just never got around to following through on that. So to tie this all back into what you said originally, this is something that I want to do with the Glens is that free play initiative. Now, even though I'm only overseeing the PDL stuff, you know, I still want to have a, some input and, and we will. And this is, like I said before, there's a really strong ethos of this is going to take all of us, you know, to, to, to make this culture work and, and to develop a very successful club from our youngest players all the way up to our pros. So um so we're already talking about how we can incorporate more more free play and give the the the, the players a chance to actually implement the ideas that you're showing them yeah no, that definitely makes a lot of sense and you know there are so many difficulties and errors in youth soccer and you can we, we could talk about it for hours about everything that's wrong with it and try to solve it and you know whatever but I think it just starts with a person like you or a person out there that kind of just one person at a time. Let's let's just try to fix this and just try to make it a way for every single player out there to just play, enjoy soccer, develop their own game and and just enjoy the game like we see down in Brazil and we see down in South American countries where these kids are just playing in the street, enjoying their game and, and just having fun with it, which which we don't see here in America. We only see the structured, this is what you're playing, this is the formation type of soccer. And, you know, I, I just I always I commend you in that because, you know, though you say you don't really show your serious side, you can tell how serious you do take it and, and how much it it is important to you. Well, yeah, OK, I'm glad because I don't always know, you know, and I, I yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think the people that know me know me quite well and know that I am quite serious, but uh, about this in particular and that they know that I, you know, basically I always knew that I was going to run into some issues. And now I'm starting I kind of hit it on the head with when I took this job, because all of a sudden, some of my content, some parents might not like that. Now, I don't have to answer to the parents, of course, because I'm working with the youth academy. But but you're like, ah, do, do, do they want that Jimmy Conrad, you know, representing their club? You know, so I'm, I'm starting to be more thoughtful about exactly what I put out there. Not that I wasn't before, but now I'm like on hyper alert. But what I would say to those people that that question it was that I made a decision to get into media. And this is the same decision I made to become a professional athlete. And I jumped in with everything that I had. And that's I make I make content with all my heart and with passion and because I care about what's going out there. And I try to be thoughtful and make content that that, you know, was made with thought behind it. Right. It's the same thing as playing. I want to I want to always and I'm, I was coaching my daughter's under 12 rec team uh, this past year and we didn't win any games. And I just found out that some grandpa was was talking trash about me on the sideline um, that be why we didn't win any games and blah, 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 blah. But but. I had seven girls that had never played soccer before, organized soccer before. And all I wanted at the end of the season, very short season, like two months, was that every time they trapped the ball or any time the ball came to them, there was thought behind their decision that they were going to do. It, it could be a one-time pass, right? It could be, a, a you know, obviously you're on top of the box, you're under some pressure. Sure, clear it out. I mean, and a, a pro would do that too. And so I just wanted to make sure there was thought behind everything that they were doing. And, and, and we, I thought we accomplished that after two months. And I'm sad the season's over. It just ended. But this dad, you know, this grandpa was coming at me hot or behind the scenes. And I just was a little disappointed, you know, because it's it's so what if we won two games? You know, um, I mean, two games would have been nice. I mean, for me, the winning would have been a byproduct of, of, of making good soccer decisions and also a reward for all their hard work and for all their listening and discipline and, and the habits that we put in place. So I wanted that for them. But it's just like, ah, man, this 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 push and pull about winning versus development is is crazy, you know. And even, you know, I'd have to sit down and probably have like a 30 minute conversation to to like break into this guy's brain to like at least understand the, the sensibilities that I'm trying to implement. Um, 
And that and I'm sure next year, if I kept the same team, we'd win, we'd win some games for sure. But you know, with two months, what are you going to do? So anyway, I, I wish went off on a tangent there, but it's, um, it's, it's, I don't remember what you asked because that's what I do. I go off in circles. Um, cool. That's how good I am at talking. You can't even remember that's what you asked. Good. I'm just, yeah, I'm interested in, in everything you're saying, man. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to transition a little bit into your career and I'm sure you've talked about your career numerous times. So I don't want to bore you. So I hope some of my questions are a little different. Um, when I was, when I was doing some research into you and this isn't something that I feel like you've talked about recently, but you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, one of the cooler things that I saw was back in 2000, you had a MLS and the LA Galaxy delayed a yellow card suspension for you, and mm-hmm. um, you had a chance to play at the Rose Bowl in front of your stepfather who had cancer at the time. Um, you know, and I, and I kind of want to take a step back from the soccer player and just look at it from the human aspect. What, what was that moment like for you as just a human being? So, yeah, it was it was intense. You know, at that point, my stepdad was still. I had lived with him since I was three, so this isn't like a my mom just got remarried, you know, two years before. So I, he had been obviously a very significant person in my life. Uh, we were still very hopeful at that point that he was going to survive. So it didn't feel as momentous as it ended up being, let's say. Now, I guess to add some more human element to it, the week before, I had gotten the yellow card. Uh, and then I knew I was going to be out. It was heartbreaking for me. And I ended up talking to Ziggy Schmidt, who was the coach of the LA galaxy at the time, who was my coach at UCLA, mm-hmm. um, prior to me going into MLS. And, and so, you know, the, I had a relationship with him and, and I, he just, we just needed to talk as human beings about, he just needed to know the, the severity and how, how important it was like, you know, I, I don't know what kind of information was being fed to him, but I assume Maybe maybe the magnitude of it. He just needed to understand the magnitude for for everybody to kind of work together. And be like, all right, Jimmy can serve this another time. Uh, this is important, you know. So I always been very thankful to everybody involved for for allowing that to happen because you had mentioned before that I had grew up uh, in the Bay Area. Uh, my wife's from the Bay Area. She grew up here. I played for San Jose for many years. Uh, I live here now, but I'm actually from LA. So when I grew up um, as a, as a kid. We had so many youth tournaments outside of the Rose Bowl. Now, if people aren't familiar with the Rose Bowl, there's a whole bunch of – this is where the, mainly where the cars park for the big big Rose Bowl games and all that. But, but it's a huge grass fields that are out there, and that's where we used to play. So for me to then now emerge into a player that's actually playing in the Rose Bowl is such a big deal for my family and I. And so to have this moment uh, there with, with my stepdad uh, who would pass away – Four months later, uh, was was a big deal, and um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that for a while. I actually, it reminds me of a picture my mom has up at our house um, of us after the game. He came, he got to come down on the field, which was really cool, and he was super happy. You could tell he was beaming and proud, and yeah, so it was it was a tough time. Um, you know, I was 23 at the time, 22 or 23 at the time, and when he passed away, I became the man of the house. You know, and and my brother and sister. We're very young, and uh, I wasn't there, so it was really hard to know how to to fit in and to, you know, when to be a kind of a de facto dad and and when to be a big brother and and you know a lot of tears, man. Mm-hmm. So, but you work through it and and you hope that everybody gets stronger from it, and you know it's uh yeah it was tragic. My mom, to be candid with you, I don't know if she's ever really recovered from that whole thing, but uh, that's a different conversation, maybe for a psychologist, yeah, for all of us, but. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we use humor. We have a lot of hugs and smiles. I think you can tell I'm a, I'm a pretty positive person, and I get a lot of that from my mom. So, so she's uh, she's hanging in there. And since I have kids now, that that's kind of her new beacon of hope is as being a grandma. Exactly, and, and I didn't mean to bring the mood down. I just no, no, it's fine. When I was doing the research, it was just like that's such like a. You know, I don't want to say cool as in, uh, you know, obviously cancer isn't cool, but it's, it's like a, it's, it's an inspirational moment that you can see that like people came together for like a good cause. You don't always see that shit out there anymore because the world sucks at times, you know? And yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, no, 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 you're right. It is an escape. And, and I was very thankful when they, you know, I, I didn't, it's funny. I, now I think about when Cristiano Ronaldo got that red card recently in the champions yeah. league so he was going to miss out manchester united game he was pouting mm -hmm. you know because he was going to get to play in old trafford or whatever <laughs> his deal was but there was some similarities to that now i feel like mine was a little bit heavier than him not being able to travel to manchester which they rescinded anyway so he could play in that but but uh yeah i mean there was some heavy emotion especially i don't remember who we were playing the game before but when i got that yellow card i knew then i was going to be out for that game a, a game that we were my whole family was planning on yeah. having a huge gathering because it was he wasn't at that point he was still seeing some people but he wasn't really putting himself out there anymore because he he didn't look like the guy that he once was you know he wasn't this robust strong guy you know cancer and, and chemotherapy had knocked him out a bit and uh you know he didn't look great but he went out there and he was a champ and so it was very cool that uh we still could have that for him yeah wow that's intense i hadn't thought about that in a while no I mean, but no you, you not bringing the mood down by any. You don't have to apologize. I uh, I just hadn't thought about it in a while. No, you're all good. And, and to connect with you there, like you know, I lost my mom at a, at a very early age to cancer. So it's something that you you learn to develop off of. You learn to build your own character off of, and it kind of sets you on a on a track into if you can spin it in a positive direction, it sets you on a positive track for the rest of your life that you can kind of grow in and, and take some positive steps from. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Um. I, I agree with um, with you on that. I, I think it gives you some some incredible perspective. It does. Yeah. So when you know somebody comes at me hot in the comments on a YouTube video, you're like, it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. You like, know. It, it, it's yeah, like, it, you know. You know, like I'm trying my best here. I'm, you know, th these are, these are the jokes. You don't like the jokes, then go subscribe to somebody else. So, but uh, yeah, you, you you stuff starts to roll off your back uh, a little bit more. But you know, it's um. To, to, to kind of add to the back end of that, so you go through that season, and, and I, I remember I was flying up my little brother um, a lot to spend time with him. I'm 10 years older than him, so he was like 13 or 14 at the time, and, and you know, that's a pretty pivotal age to have or want your dad around. Um, yeah. So I was trying to fill in that void for him, and so at the end of that year, we were the worst team in MLS, San Jose Earthquakes. We ended up winning MLS Cup the following year, so hat tip to us for rebounding in a positive way, but I went to Lech Poznan and played in Poland for five months and that was an incredible experience and for me a nice way to kind of escape the the sadness that was surrounding my family at the time and, and and being able to deal with it in a more individual basis i didn't have any distractions the internet wasn't very prominent at that time you know you go to um with the internet cafes and it would take 30 minutes for me to send one email you know so that that was that oh it was crazy it was dial up yeah and and you can imagine you know, it's even more in the Stone Age in Poland. You know, they're just not uh, as far advanced. They might be now, but they weren't at the time. So that was a, it was a cool experience for me and, and a way to really just – I was reading a lot of books at that time, all different kinds of books. You know, you're trying to kind of make peace with something that was so unbelievable that you just couldn't believe that 
melanoma could just wipe somebody out in six months at age yeah. 43. It's mm-hmm. just like the guy was 43, you know? Yeah. Uh, he didn't put on a little sunscreen. Like, that's fucking crazy. So, um, you know, you're just trying to make sense of some stuff that just wasn't made to make sense, I guess. And so you just have to accept the world for how it is and how difficult it can be and how unfair it is at times. Exactly. And you got to do things to make you happy. And I guess that's why we're talking here about some stuff. That's it. That makes us that's happy, it. Right? Um, so I want to transition over the international career and you've had some pretty amazing standout moments. You got your first cap against Cuba in the gold cup. You were able to wear the arm, uh, the captain's armband in, in some numerous games. You played in a world cup against Ghana and Italy and you also scored a goal against Mexico. I mean, I know you like to you like to show that video on your YouTube, but I would be flaunting that every moment I could if I if I had that moment too. Um, what is your great, greatest moment in the red, white, and blue? Is is that goal your greatest moment? You know, I actually think my 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 greatest moment was my first cap, probably. I mean, I mean, playing against Italy was pretty sweet. I'm not gonna lie, and and it was Father's Day. And my dad was there in uh, Gelsenkirchen where the game was. I think it was Gelsenkirchen. I should know that. Um, you know, he didn't like to fly. He didn't like to travel. So to, to share that moment with him and, and to share that moment with everybody that came. My youth coach was there, obviously my family, my wife. And and because they've seen they say they saw the struggle. They saw the behind the scenes. They saw that I, you know, was a walk on. I wasn't drafted in MLS and, and to see me kind of rise from the ashes, you know, if you want to add, add dramatic music, you can do that there. But, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so that was obviously a special thing, but you're so caught up in the moment that you're just trying to like make soccer plays. You're not really thinking through, wow, this is probably going to be the coolest thing in my whole entire life. You're, you're like setting that aside because you just have to go out there and, and make plays. Yeah, perform, yeah. So, so for me, I, I thought the biggest thrill, even though less people saw it was that first cap, uh, against Cuba. um, because it proved to me that I could hold my own. Not necessarily, you know, at that time Cuba was okay. They had, um, I remember Mikhail Galindo was pretty good. And, and uh, you know, they had a couple of good players. They actually scored first in that game. I was so gutted. I was like, all right, great. My first start, we got scored on by Cuba. We ended up, that was Clint Dempsey's first cap too. And he um, he ended up scoring, I think, right before half. So we went in one one half and we felt pretty confident afterwards. But we ended up winning the game. But um, it just proved that I could play with, with the guys on my team. You know, guys that have been around for a long time, guys with a ton of experience, and and that was a big thrill for me. And being able to, you know, wear the jersey. I was a really late bloomer, and I didn't get my first cap till I was 20, 28. Uh, most guys are, as we saw uh, recently with this, yeah, with tonight, you know, a lot of guys are getting caps at 17, 18, 19, which seems normal. I didn't get into any youth national teams. I only made one state team on in the ODP. You know, I just... I just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and finally got that opportunity. So I was really nervous before that game. Obviously, you don't want to make any big mistakes in your in your first game. You don't want it to be your last game. So and I know I know a couple of players that that you know had a cup of coffee with the national team and never got back in. So didn't want to be one of those guys. I wanted to make it last, and and I thought I made the most of my time. I mean, you, like you said, you go from a walk on to undrafted to an MLS Cup champion to playing for the U.S. Men's National Team. That's a that's a fantastic career and. You know, you're going from that to this YouTube content to the Glens, and it's just all <laughs> So, you know, like, I appreciate like that. I said, big fan over here. Um, you played with countless notable teammates in your career. Guys like Joe Cannon, you mentioned Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Matt uh, Matt Beasler, Kai Kamara. 
who is a guy that off the field you kind of just like push the soccer to the side you were just like screw it like let's just go hang out let's just go talk let's go do whatever uh yeah there's plenty of guys um josh wolf was my roommate with the national team and i think sometimes with kansas city you know we were always fast friends uh we have he's got a really funny sense of humor a bit a bit uh a bit dark which i like about him um you know, kind of a, kind of an unassuming dark sense of humor. Like, whoa, dude, Wolfie, relax. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love that about him. And, and, you know, we went through the trenches together um, in some some high pressure situations. And, and so, you know, when people watch games, you know, they see the bright lights and they see the 90 minutes on the field. But then afterwards, you know, you share these experiences. You talk about the game for hours, potentially, uh, with, with usually your roommate. And for me, that was Josh for a lot of the stuff that I was going through, some of my big, biggest moments as a player. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember after the Ghana game, uh, even though we lost 2-1 at the 06 World Cup, he came up to me after the game. He's like, that's the best I've ever seen you play. And I said, well, I guess this was as good a time as any to make that happen. <laughs> uh, too bad it didn't learn, you know, lead into anything. But, you know, just those little I, – I, another person that had seen behind the scenes who was just – he didn't have to say anything. You know, he could just give me a high five and said, hey, that's unlucky or whatever. But, you know, for him to say that – uh, obviously still means a lot to me because I remember. So, you know, uh, you know, sharing those experiences with him. Uh, I used to love Steve Chirondolo. Um, I, I, we'd go hang out as much as possible. So um, he was another guy where, you know, we play a lot of board games or video games together. I don't know if we played as much video games. We play a lot of cards, um, but he was super funny. Uh, I wish I got, I wish I spoke with him more. I think he's a really sharp mind, really high IQ for the game. Probably our, least appreciated or one of our most underrated players i think in our program's history still doesn't still doesn't feel like he gets the credit he deserves but everybody talks about him in the same way as like this you know under underrated guy and um yeah so i think Chirondolo would be one uh it's, it's kind of the guys that were your roommates you know i had twelman for you know he'd always make me laugh because he's a funny guy i know i know so much about twelman it's hard for me to watch him on tv because i just picture him in other situations like i can't i can't i can't watch this guy right now because it just cracks me up <laughs> And especially when he gets all serious, I love it. But uh, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you kind of shared these little instances with a lot of different guys, you know, who who just happened to be that right guy for you in that right moment. Um, I remember talking to Pablo Mastriani. Like we really got in depth about life in general mm-hmm. uh, one time during a camp. You know, it's just like a great conversation to have at that point in our lives. And it felt like, you know, we had connected in a way that was bigger than anything off or on the field. So you have those little things. And, and, and that kind of moves around. Like Marcus Hanneman is awesome. I love that guy, a goalkeeper who played for many years but never really seemed to be the number one for the U.S. And just a sweetheart of a guy. And, and I used to love spending time with him. So, yeah, it just kind of depends. And each camp was different because some guys were in that we were used to being around and some guys weren't. Um, and then on the club level, you know, being around Davey Arno, Jack Jewsbury, Taylor Graham, you know, these are all the guys that I rolled up with uh, when I first got traded to Kansas City. And uh, it was fun to spend time with them and, and to watch them grow. And then obviously when I uh, was eight or nine years in, you know, then you got Matt Beasler and Graham Zussi and Kai Kamara's on the team. And Hercules Gomez is rolling in from wherever team he was coming from, the Rapids or whatever. And you just got these e- eclectic personalities. And we're all trying to work towards the same thing, which is team success. Because if we have team success, then, then that individual success will come as well. So, so yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that one person stands out. But, yeah, there's a lot of uh, special moments and stories that I have with, with certain guys that I'll never forget. No, I mean, it's just interesting because I, I look at my, my adult league team and, you know, I have a guy from Armenia. And, you know, he just 
talking to him and connecting with him on such a different level is so much different than like connecting with my best friend that I've known for like you know for years now so it's always interesting talking about soccer and non-soccer related things with teammates and kind of just like almost having like little therapy sessions with each other and just like for sure talking things out Uh, I got three more questions for you if that's okay yeah shoot yeah no problem all right so MLS regular season winding down. I'm not gonna have you make picks. Obviously, in the Western Conference, you you like Sporting Kansas City. Those are, those are your boys. But in the East, between Atlanta, New York Red Bulls, if you want to throw anyone else in there, who who do you think makes the cup? Yeah, that's a great question. I on the West, you know, that's been a pretty competitive, all things considered. It feels like whoever's going to be hottest right when the you know playoffs start is going to be the team that, that takes it, no matter what seed they are. Um, Sporting Kansas City in particular, you know, they have a duck to break. You know, they haven't got out of the first round since they won MLS Cup in 2013. So, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure on them, and I think I think they think about it now, right? It's it's such a trend you have to think about it. So, I wonder how that's going to impact them, and if they can get past that, then I think they could push on uh, to MLS Cup. So, yeah, obviously they're my favorite um, to do so because I played for them for eight years. So if I say otherwise, I think I'll get vilified by that fan base. And so I'm not going to say otherwise. No, I love the Cauldron. They're great. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't say otherwise. I think they, they have the team and the components to make that happen. But as you know, right, you need a hot goalkeeper. You need some, some people that are ready to s- step up and score some timely goals. And, and that can be really – that's the, the beauty of MLS. It could be anybody at any time that does that. So, yeah. um, But, but I, I like Kansas City. Um, you know, FC Dallas is a little bit – you don't know for sure – uh, Seattle, are they going to start winning 10 straight games again? I don't know. You know, Portland Timbers, I love Gio Savarese. Um, I, I, I think he's a great coach. They've been a little uneven for me, um, which has been a bit surprising. But given given what I, lo- what I love about him um, and the kind of groups and culture he builds, but maybe he needs another year to really put a stamp on things. But even despite that, I think they've done pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you never know. LAFC, Bob Bradley, uh, very pragmatic. I, I think it, he's been pretty surprising for me because I feel like he's – Gone out and, and attracted some some playmakers and Lee Wynn, and Benny Fowlhaber, who and given them more freedom than I think he would have. Maybe you know Bob from five years ago. So uh, I'm 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 excited to see that. And obviously, when you sign players like a Carlos Vela, who can a game changer, you know, and a guy that can really bridge the transition from defense to attack, it makes them very dangerous. So if they can just kind of tighten things up defensively, um, then I think they're going to be a very dangerous team, and that's one of Bob's fortes. So I expect them to be in the running, or at least in the conversation. I don't see them going out right away. Uh, and you don't know if the Galaxy gets in. You know, I think everybody in the whole world wants Zlatan and the Galaxy to get in the playoffs. So if they get in, you never know. You know, Who I just doesn't want to see that, right? No, I, I do. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, there's such a train wreck, you know, um, <laughs> that I think we all want to see like an eight-seven playoff game, and I think we could probably get that with the Galaxy. So you, you never know, and especially if the Galaxy can, can maybe get in and play against LAFC in the first round, or it would be unbelievable. So. So in a lot of ways, for narratives and just as a as a neutral fan for both of those teams, uh, it would be kind of cool to see the Galaxy LAFC. But we'll see if that ends up happening. But back on the East, yeah, I think Atlanta's the, the you know the class team. Uh, Tata Martino is this is this his last go around with them? You know, does the team respond to that in a positive way where they want to send them out on a high note? You know, I mean, we might you might be seeing. I don't think Joseph Martinez is going to leave, but Almiron could leave, Barco could leave. You know, they, they're going to have some questions, including their manager, like who, who's going to stay, who's going to go. So this might be the last time that this collection of players has this go around. And they might have to, quote unquote, rebuild a little bit potentially next season. So I expect them to make a good run at it. Uh, the Red Bulls obviously went through a transition with Jesse Marsh. And I think Chris Armas has done well. 
And uh, I like their team a lot. And Luis Robles is that that is that type of goalkeeper who can make the big saves. And, and so you just don't know. Uh, NYCFC, who knows? I mean, David Villa all of a sudden gets super hot. He always seems hot, but if he can get super hot and they can, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you don't know. I mean, it's you just don't know who's going to have that one game. And and the way the playoffs are set up in MLS, I don't. It, it doesn't seem to benefit the higher seeds. And you're right. And if you actually get – if you're the team that's – if you're hosting that first, let's say, what was it, play-in game they call it, the first play-in game on the Wednesday, and you're hosting that. You have that one at home. You're not traveling anywhere. You made the playoffs. You kind of get that off your back, and then you get to play at home where the other team has got to you know, come to your house. And I, I feel like that gives you a lot of momentum. Then you win that, and then you get to host the first leg of the – this, it's crazy, yeah, you right? So you have two, two straight games. You get two straight games. I mean, you get to have all this momentum. It's it's crazy to me that that's how it works. So I actually feel like the teams that are, what would they be, the number three and number four seeds, yes. have a better shot at winning the MLS Cup than the number ones and number twos. I mean, that's just the the shitty way to look at it. But but I think historically, uh, a couple three seeds have won since they've changed the format. Anyway, so um, I don't know those stats. You guys are gonna have to go look it up by yourself. It's called Wikipedia. Go look it. Check it out. But um. Yeah, I actually think that the way that this, the playoffs are set up, the, the number three, number four seed have the best shot. So we'll see. I don't know who, which teams are going to fall into that place. You know, we still have a couple more games to play. And, and I hope DC United gets in now, too, for Wayne Rooney and just kind of the same reason um, Zlatan. You just want to see the big names. And those guys like to perform in big games. So it, it would be fun. Yeah, I mean, going from Wayne Rooney's Orlando City magic play to, you know, where where DC is now. I totally, you know, if, if DC made a run and it was a 3-6 between this, uh, New York City and DC, I wouldn't be upset if, if Wayne Rooney beat us. Um, last two questions. You have two daughters, correct? That's correct. Are we eventually going to be seeing a future Conrad center back pairing for the U.S.? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. So my oldest decided that she wanted to play organized soccer for the first time. And... So we're like, yeah, all right, let's go get some cleats. Let's make it happen. So we went out and just kind of worked on some things, you know, did some, I have a speed ladder and we, you know, dribbled through some cones and worked on some technique stuff and, you know, trapping and playing or taking a touch into space, little things, just basics that you should have. And, uh, dude, she has, I've been really impressed with her coachability, let's say. Um, and I would say this about any player. She just happens to be my daughter, but she's been incredibly coachable. Sometimes there can be an issue there with father, daughter, you know, but I, I, I speak to her as just like a normal player when we're out there and I try to get the most out of her like I do anybody else. What she has the benefit of is getting, getting my ear later. And we just, we just, but we talk a lot about different concepts and, and how to move and, and, and she's been great. She actually was, I was really proud of her uh, this season, and I hope that she continues. We're going to keep trying to push that. Now, the benefit of all that is that my seven-year-old has been coming out to every practice. And at first, she's like, I don't want to watch soccer, Daddy. I don't care. You can, I don't care about watching her games. I don't care about going, all right, cool. She just goes and runs around with her friend. And by the end of it, we've just bought her her first pair of cleats. She wants to start playing. And now they're doing the speed ladder with me, and we're doing little things. So, yeah, I think they've gotten the bug. We're going to go to – uh ao oakland's watch party for us canada tomorrow uh, i want to really start to introduce them to the culture that's surrounded the the women's national team that's one but also to watch these players i have the benefit of being friends with a few of them so hopefully um they can run into uh, these women at some point and and we can start to idolize 
some real role models because I, I, I can't say enough about the women's national team and, and what they've done with their careers and what they've built on the women's side of the game and how much influence and, and, and positive impact they've had just in soccer in general in this country. Definitely the better national team. They just, <laughs> just dominate everything. And, yeah, and it's good. It is. It's nice to have a contrast where, you know, our men's team struggles a bit, but our women just kick ass. So it's great. Exactly. Um, The final question, and this is a new question I'm asking all guests at the end. If you can go back in time and relive one moment in soccer history, so all of soccer history, you can relive that one moment live. What would that moment be? So, so is it my history or is it just history in general? Whatever you want. Whoo. Wow. Uh, I think it would be cool to be, it would have been cool to be in the stadium in Azteca to see Diego Maradona run through, you know, the, the England defense and see that live mm-hmm. when he scored that magic goal. Well, I guess the whole game, you scored the hand of God that, that game as well. So, yeah, that would be that would have been a pretty incredible game. Um, also, I would have loved to have seen uh, – I, I always try to like – now on my YouTube channel, people kill me for not pronouncing names. So when I say Pele, I always like, no, it's Pele. And it just drives me crazy that I now have that like catch in my head. Anyway, it would have been cool because there's not a lot about him, right? You don't see a lot of real-time footage of him, and 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 I know he's he should go down as one of the best, but but because I didn't live through his era, mm-hmm. it, it's harder to really know how he would fit into the modern game. Now I have the benefit of playing against Messi, obviously watch Cristiano Ronaldo on a regular basis, and all these other incredible players, but um, you know, to 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 be able to see him live and to see how influential he was. And knowing what I know now about the modern game and where it was going to go, you know, I just feel like I could have put Maradona and, and play in their place uh, as opposed to, to what I'm seeing and experiencing now. So I guess, you know, one of those two things would be pretty neat. I mean, definitely in general, just to see those legends just play and sit there in awe of, of how yeah. easy they made the game look back in the day. Obviously, it was a different game, but still, it's it's still deep down. It's still the game of soccer, and it's still, you know, like you said, just get the ball into the net, right? That's um, right. So I'll give you a little shameless plug time. You can plug your social media and go right ahead with that. Yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to be subjected to this personality with great hair, um, <laughs> then uh, just go to at Jimmy Conrad, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my YouTube channel is The Jimmy Conrad, like The Ohio State University. And uh, that's just what was available. You don't have to roll your eyes at me right now. And uh, it wasn't like I didn't purposely choose that i would have just taken jimmy conrad if it was available all michigan fans (laughs) uh i am gonna be starting on twitch here pretty soon um probably the first of the year so if you're into twitch uh be on the lookout for that type of stuff i try to do pickup games anywhere i travel i'll be traveling a lot here in the next two or three months so if you're in boston new york dallas i'll be in uh, sao paulo brazil uh soon Uh, might be going to rome for a little bit uh, just be on the lookout because I love picking up ga- I love pick up games. I love interacting with the, any communities that I'm in, and it would be awesome to have you guys out. Very very cool, Jimmy. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate the time. No problem. My pleasure.